Poison Rana. Best match ever. We the best. The biggest match in pro wrestling history. Oh my god! Oh my god! This is great. This is awesome. Mama But if you need me, I ain't hard to find. All you gotta do is go look up in the sky and follow. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Braden Harrington here with Davey Portman for Poison Rana, the podcast. And this is a special best match ever. ever. Yes, Yes. it is. Uh, This is a show we often do on our Patreon uh, once or twice a month where we, we look back at the careers of wrestlers or the greatest matches from a a certain pay-per-view or a certain match stipulation or rivalry. Yeah. Um, and, but unfortunately it's, it's become something as well where, uh, when we lose someone, we, this is our way of celebrating, uh, their life. Yeah. This is how we like to honor and celebrate the careers of some of these, uh, pro wrestlers that give their lives to us to entertain us. And in the world of wrestling as fans, we learn that, uh, well, uh, Sadly, wrestlers have a, a curse that they tend to die at young ages and and all and and die all the time. And uh, this is uh, one of those cases, and it's uh, very close to home because this is someone we've brought into our homes for the past few years. And this is someone who's still an active member of the roster, which is uh, Bray Wyatt. So we're going to celebrate the the career of his of his pro wrestling life, and and in the only way that we could. So. Uh, we're really glad that you're our friend, and this is a friendship that's never, ever going to end. Mm. Uh, we're going to look at some of the best moments and matches through the career of Bray Wyatt, including The Fiend, Husky Harris. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch any Husky Harris no, matches. No, me neither. For yeah. this. Uh, it's okay. But you're right. He's someone we've followed for a very long time. Uh, we are like the uh, the... Uh, we started off as an NXT podcast and we followed Bray right from the beginning of him on NXT with uh, our Was Next show when we saw the kind of inception of this Wyatt family character. And I, I'd really say it's probably the first NXT gimmick I can think of that moved to the main roster kind of exactly as it was. The vignettes were the same, like the presentation, the music, everything kind of just got lifted from NXT and put on the main roster and uh, I remember the the buzz when they were going to move to like Raw and airing those vignettes again and just something, just the the look of the three of them, um, Bray, uh, Brody, Luke Harper and, and Eric Rowan, they looked the part. Yeah. They didn't look like people who, you know, we've gone through that 2.0 era where people have just been given a gimmick that feels like alien to them. You believe that these three were kind of, Louisiana, out in the boonies, swamp people starting their own cult, Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre esque, Charles of Manson, yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's a whole character of this whole new face of fears. They definitely tried to get over in in the WWE, but he was this uh, like 
character entity that wrestling hadn't really done in quite a while. Obviously, The Undertaker being the most famous goth boy when it comes to the world of wrestling. So many non-wrestling fans know The Undertaker. But I'd actually say in the last few years that a lot of people recognize the Bray Wyatt stuff just because of that. They don't necessarily like wrestling for the wrestling. They like all the other stuff, including the silly stuff where... You know, it definitely gets yeah. other fans kind of combating what they like and don't like, but you can't say the guy hasn't been talked about for the last t- 10 years easily. Yeah, he, he's definitely someone where um, kind of, I, I think of when, when you see like wrestling themed costume parties, you've always got someone who's the Undertaker, you've always got someone who's Kane or Hogan or Macho yeah. Man. And WrestleMania 30, his like WrestleMania debut in New Orleans that weekend everyone was dressed as Bray. Everyone was in the Hawaiian shirts, the fedora. uh, And then, but so many different iterations of the character. Like we saw at All In, which was just days after Bray passed away. Days after. uh, These two guys in incredible fiend costumes. Yeah, one guy, there was a whole group of these guys. They must have had the mask and stuff ready. I don't know how. Again, like only a few days after at All In. And this guy was dressed like the fiend, like identical to what Bray Wyatt looked like, like in on TV. And another guy was like a proper Bray Wyatt, like cosplay as well. Yeah. So really, it was really cool to see that. And I'm sure you're going to just see more and more like moving forwards of, yeah, you know, costume parties, Halloween, yeah. that kind of thing. People go in as as bray yeah absolutely and it'll it'll carry on for for time and as will his his whole legacy i mean this guy uh in in such i'd say a short time he still hasn't probably scratched the full surface which was even more unfortunate with so many stop starts and i mean i think that's something we'll get into when we're going through these this kind of little playlist we've got here um it's it's one of the sad things whenever anyone dies young it's it's sad whenever someone passes full stop it's sad but when you see kind of missed potential and missed opportunities and that sort of thing it it just stings a little more and watching back some of these things and some stuff is like during an era where we weren't too hot on the product and certainly like the fiend had its issues but you rewatch a bit removed and like just like especially those daniel bryan matches what what could have been yeah. if you kept sort of that version of The Fiend? You know, not the complete Michael Myers indestructible showing a monster with some vulnerabilities who can put on good wrestling matches. Like, I watching that strap match, and we'll get into it, is when I'm like, that. that's what we need. That's yeah. what we need going forwards. And then obviously there was a, a pandemic, so all the things were like kind of stop and start during that era. And then getting a release and then coming back. And it's it's just there's so many what ifs, I feel, with this man. Yeah, it, it totally is that way. And it, it started from like pretty much the beginning of his career. I mean, obviously, Wyndham Rotunda being his real name, he's what, third generation superstar? Mm. His dad's IRS, the IRS, tax man. Yeah. And like Bray Wyatt becoming into wrestling as Husky Harris, he was part of Nexus, was he not? Yep. And then like that kind of peaked at right when it started like the second they tore the ring down was the hi- a highlight of that whole storyline really and then it kind of floundered and then the guys got repackaged and e- yeah even going back you're right before his bray wyatt stuff like what nexus could have been yeah you know like yeah. it's it's crazy but like, then so then like he he goes back to what fcw mm. before the nxt days and then finally finding himself 
with this. He, he clearly wanted to do like spooky stuff. There's f- stuff floating around online when he was wearing like a ripoff, like uh, Voorhees or uh, what's the, the cannibal Hannibal Lecter mask right. and stuff. And like, he clearly liked wanted to do some of the spooky stuff. And then that's when I guess he started putting together this character. And I've listened to like, so he hasn't done so many interviews, but obviously he has opened up. He wasn't like the undertaker for all those years, but he's kind of said like he started taking inspirations and, and making this character. And like, it looked like he, he, he was told like it's sink or swim. If you don't, if this doesn't work for you, then get the hell out of here. So he had to, I mean, I, I really, uh, like it would be good to, you know, one day get that interview with, uh, Eric Rowan and him, hear him talk about sure. the kind of origins of the Wyatts because Brody Lee came into WWE with a bit of a name for himself on the indies yeah, and stuff. Luke Harper. Uh, Bray being in the system for a while with his Husky Harris and obviously the family connections, they, they obviously saw something in him. And I imagine you kind of paired those two together and then looked at this new recruit, Eric Rowan guy who came in and it, and think, okay, these two can help this guy out. And yeah. I, I know in, uh, when Brody passed away, listening to, Eric Rowan on like the New Day's podcast, I think it was. And he pretty much said that. It was like Brody was there in these tags to like help bring me up and teach me how to wrestle and yeah. stuff. But uh, so I'm sure they just looked at like the look of Brody and the look of Bray and be like, this works. And then just, I mean, we, we saw those, those like origins of the, of the Wyatts where those first vignettes, it was just Bray with like a bunch of extras and Luke Harper just happened to be like one of the extras. Yeah, it yeah. was all, I wasn't PC talent then, but that essential thing, like the FCW crop or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure Luchasaurus could have been in yeah. like that. He was, he was there at the time, Baron Corbin, anyone who was big at that time literally could have been put into those positions. But for, for, for Bray Wyatt to create, like come up with this character that is somewhat that, that what Waylon Mercy mm. character, like the the Cape Fear inspirations and stuff, like you can totally see that he was he's going for it. like you said that like swamp Louisiana something something not right about this hel- helter skelter kind of weird shit. And I I always right away like was like oh that's something so different in wrestling. Of course, watching NXT when it was first like debuting there, I was like oh that's that's so different and interesting in the rocking chair and everything and like pretty quickly we do it we do a retro nxt review on our patreon was next and we've already passed through we started nxt right from the beginning and we've mm-hmm. already passed through the why it's come and gone and like their little pocket of time was quite interesting especially because they went this is great we need to put this on tv right now oh yeah and they did so and it worked just braze promos in nxt where like especially the that early like 2013 yeah. 2014 nxt there weren't really great promos. It was a lot of people like trying. It was, you know, rehearsal. It was developmental, whatever you want to call it. And when you compare another, and I don't want to be like shitting on other people on this podcast, but when you look at the Ascension, which was coming up at the similar time, their stuff felt just so <sighs> dated. And Eight yeah, years. you know, we will rise. Were saying not a great deal and just sounding scary. Whereas Bray talked and just sounded absolutely captivating yeah and you didn't always and that's criticism as well he goes as the character goes on on main roster especially it gets a bit like okay well what are you talking about here it would be a little mumbo jumbo at times but that original iteration i thought his promos were clear it was like i'm here to kind of you know 
run NXT. Rage against to the be machine. The champion. Yeah. For these guys to be the tag champions, and I'm going to destroy everyone in my way, and you're either with us or against us. And he sounded terrifying. And uh, they completely, for the his first six months or whatever on the main roster, kept it pretty true to yeah. that NXT character. Yeah, I'd say so. It it. it it was something definitely interesting, and it had my attention. There was definitely times through the career of Bray Wyatt where there'd be promos where I'd be like, is this just like the repeat of what it, he did 100%. last week or mumbling of random stuff put together? But again, I think he was stop-started so many times, and we'll get into uh, all the matches we're going to go through, but the re-watching the Firefly Funhouse, like he even pokes at like, hey, I... I should have won that that, that yeah. time, and that would have changed everything, and the domino effect, the butterfly effect. It's, I mean, it's it's obvious a lot of these characters and ideas and things come from him. Yeah. Um, and I think it comes to a point, like, sometimes a concept's great, but then, like, the strength of the writers and also having, you know, a 70-plus-year-old in charge who changes his opinion on things on a whim, um, it never... You never really got to see, like, him in one iteration grow and change. It was always, all right, well, he's had a few losses against someone big now, so let's take him off TV for three months and re-debut him with a, re- a new look. Yeah. And that happened a few times, and it was like the, the, the writers there could never figure out how to still make him compelling without just being the one-note character, whether it be an indestructible fiend or a... A preachy swamp man. And I also found through his career, he got better in ring. I I, I always thought he was fine in mm. the ring, but as is like kind of there's there's like other people in wrestling that can just help you unlock something. Yeah. I think that with the Undertaker, everyone praises the Undertaker being one of the goats. He is, but when you watch back some of his older matches, he's in character as a zombie. Yeah. It's some of it's abysmal. Like oh, yeah. some of it is you just remember it being It's that really way. when they let him become human yeah, exactly. and become the American badass. He's like, "Okay, so I can move quick now." Yeah. And so and then moving back to the dead man where he's the hybrid Undertaker where he's having the classic. Yeah, like when Undertaker fights Kurt Angle, it's amazing. When Bray Wyatt fights Daniel Bryan, it's amazing. So it's like, you know, your your dance partner is part of it as well. And I yeah. find like certain wrestlers, including some of the ones we'll talk about, like definitely unlock different things in him. And uh, over over the years, like, yeah, I've been super into some of the stuff. It's just been so creative from evil swamp man to Mr. Rogers, scary, spooky puppet guy to like the the face mask of the fiend and even the the white rabbit, which was all oh, yeah. like what barcodes and you know, riddles and, and call this number and it coordinates to certain places yeah. and times of venues and all this it was crazy. So it is, it is pretty incredible. And, uh, yeah. And, and I, I, I'm happy that we can like celebrate him in, in the only way that we can, because like it, it's, it's funny. We just were watching all these matches and I've listed the matches. If you want to know them before we kind of jump into them, um, I will post them on the podcast info, but, like watching these back and watching other memories. We'd love to hear your favorite uh, moments or matches and stuff, especially if we don't cover them here. But um, his music is also something. All three films, uh, all three themes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the original one that started in NXT to the 
the Fiends version, which was what Code Orange taking it on. Yeah, the, the, and the then, Catching Flies, Live in Fear. That and one. then his uh, Shattered, his his last one. Oh, right. yeah, I yeah. thought was really good as and well. And I mean White Rabbit too. So yeah. there you go. But oh, yeah, yeah. like he had some he had some sick ones. And uh, we've done wrestling karaoke parties a few times, mm. and we we've heard someone do the his theme twice, like a few last year or something. But then again, we did our all in after party and. It was only a few days after, so someone was like, I need to sing this song next. And we were like, absolutely. And then as soon as it ended, everyone started singing. He's got the whole world mm. in his hands. So we, we paid our tribute that night as well. But yeah, uh, even the theme song, just banger. One of the best wrestling. And he was, he was part of the creative process of getting that as well. He like picked this out. Like, it's like, I'm getting this to do this. And same with the mask. Like, he just seemed like he had so many creative things trying to burst out yeah. the seams. But yeah. We are live on YouTube right now as well. So hello, Chris, Martin, Cameron. Uh, we see you there. Uh, if you are watching along with us right now, leave us your your thoughts on Bray as yes. we go along. And we'll try and read out uh, as much them as possible. Absolutely. Uh, like Chris right now saying, I love Bray's theme. Play them on my speaker at work a lot. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty good. Uh, well, shall we get into some matches here? Yes, we're going to go through some matches in order of how they happened mm. here. And we're going to kind of go through and, and remember them and then uh, pick through what we think is the best of Bray Wyatt, which are all of these matches. They're all great. So we had Bray Wyatt make his uh, main roster debut at SummerSlam 2013, oh, where yeah. he took on Kane oh. in a Ring of Fire match. We're not talking about We're that. We're not talking about that <laughs> match, but he goes on for kind of just be dominant the rest of that year and then uh, has this great story where... Daniel Bryan joins the Wyatt family yes. for a few weeks. And this, apparently, like reading back on stuff, it was a plan that Bryan was meant to be in this thing for quite a long time. Okay. And probably even up to WrestleMania. But we remember 2014 was the year Punk left at the Rumble and the crowd was shitting on the idea of Randy versus Batista. That's right. And everyone wanted Bryan in this role. Yes. So yes. you had that in one of my favorite raw moments of all time where it's the the steel cage yep. match and brian is in his overalls and everything and is just meant to be like this sacrificial lamb literally with to the, Bray. the face yeah mask <laughs> and uh but brian's had enough of being slapped around and he sheds the skin and beats up bray and raw ends with just the incredible image of him on the top of the steel cage doing the yes chant and I think up until this point, even though the Wyatts came in as heels, everyone just liked them because they were cool and different. Yeah. And this was really where Bray, I thought, was at one of the peaks of him being a heel because everyone loved Brian. And therefore, like, you then hated Bray and yeah. you loved seeing Brian. Everyone's going, also, not just storyline wise, but why is he being a Wyatt? He should be in the main event. Yeah, of yeah, he should be the guy. He should be the champion. So it just had this incredible moment and it led to their match at the Rumble that year in the opening match uh, on the 26th of January, 2014 at the Console Energy Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I actually really love that moment on Raw when he's in the cage. The commentary, I'm sure it's Michael Cole, who's like, oh, this was Brian's plan all along because the, the family is outside and they're like, wait, what? He's yeah. alone inside with him. And then he... Just kicks the shit out of Bray, uh, Bray Wyatt. And again, yeah, you just, you just loved that image. I swear in the video game a few years later, Brian, the, the one with Brian's story, yeah. 
It has that as a it character, yeah, yeah, with the overall yeah. things. Yeah, I think he's—you can get the figure of him. Uh, that's as hilarious. As well. yeah. yeah, I, I bet I just love that whole thing, and I will give credit to wrestling. Is is pretty much comic books. That's how I got into wrestling because I love comic books at a young age. There's bad guys and good guys, and Bray is such a good bad guy. Like he's the villain to all these other people mm. we'll talk about later, and it, it makes for a great match in this one. So Bray starts by just like yelling at the crowd saying he's trying to make a fool out of me. Is there a big Daniel Bryan chance? Um, Bray starts with just this kitchen sink to the ribs, uh, like the move, not an actual yeah, kitchen yeah, sink. Yeah. Sorry, we just did the good housekeeping match. So got to make it clear. Yeah, there. we just did a review of No Mercy <laughs> and that's uh, they literally use the kitchen sink. Yeah, And then uh, just starts delivering these knees. Uh, Harper distracts, which allows Bray to take advantage and then uh, Brian hits a tope suicida, taking out Luke Harper on the outside. And then the referee says to Rowan and Harper, you are out of here. And Bray goes up to them on the ramp and says, I don't need you to fight this war for me. And kind of gives them permission to leave. He's like, I got this, right. go. And as he turns back, Brian hits this plancher to the floor, taking out Bray. And then there's this another crossbody in the ring, but Bray kicks out. And then Brian is up on the turnbuckle and Bray just chops Brian right off it to the floor. And this is where Michael Cole's bringing up the, the rumors of concussions with uh -oh. Daniel Bryan. Um, if you remember, he had the match with Randy on Raw where he suffered the stinger and they called the match off. And the story is he went backstage and was screaming at Triple H because he's like, You've, I've seen you tear your quads and continue a match. How dare you say when to call the match? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and obviously we know Brian goes on to get injured later that year with neck and concussion issues. So then bringing this into the, the match, it becomes a big story of it because now, uh, Bray is just targeting the head of, uh, Brian. Uh, Bray charges at him, uh, towards the ring steps, but Brian dodges. So he just goes knee first into the ring steps. Uh, very Mick Foley-esque here. Yes. Bray Wyatt gives me some Mick Foley vibes Absolutely. for sure as Absolutely. well. Yeah. Um, so Bray's now favoring his knee and Brian's attacking that with chop blocks. Lots of yes kicks. Uh, dragon screw, leg whip, just working on that knee. And then does the uh, hold the arms and starts stomping Bray's head to the mat. Yeah, like the surfboard stomps. Yeah. This is nasty, man. But Bray kicks out on one. Uh, Brian then tries to suplex Bray back into the ring and Bray's trying to suplex him to the outside. They're having this struggle. They're now fighting on the apron and Brian's just coming at him with these stiff forearms. And then Bray in the ring hits this nice like toss vertical suplex. I thought looked pretty good. And then launches Brian back to the floor and starts, he puts his head, like squeezes his head against the ring post and just starts punching it. Yeah. So Nasty. working on that bruised brain of Daniel Bryan. And he's then yelling at the crowd, who are you to insult me? Why don't you help him? As the people are obviously calling Bray a piece of shit. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, help him then. Help him. <laughs> Go on. Scary guy. Uh, big boot to the side of the head. And then uh, in the ring, yanks Brian by the arm, which causes his head to like bounce off the rope, like a whiplash effect here. And then uh, Bray hits his big Uranagi, which I think he's got one of the best ones. He gets them really high and spikes Yeah, his is, his is like, he doesn't rock bottom you. He like almost... It's just, like one arm, like yeah, spine buster almost. It's pretty good. 
and then does his upside down crab walk uh, to just creep out his opponent. Yeah, very uh, exorcist. Mm. Like I like I like that even he's got little ripples to his character because everyone knew the Undertaker sat up. Yeah, he's like, huh? What can I do? Like, good on him. He's He's a big, he's a husky boy. Have you tried doing this? Yeah, it's it's, it's not good. I can get in like the bridge, but it's the walking. And it's part of it is also trying to, when your body's like that, trying to actually work out which hand is what, if you know what I mean. It sounds weird, but. Look, like I'm, I'm Bray Wyatt-esque in my, I'm a big boy too. And trying to walk like that is really hard. So I always praise him and like, damn. And like. He looked always cool when he's upside down in his hair. And it's because the hair, the beard is so pointy. And he's and talking long. and everything. Yeah. It's, it's what nightmares are made out of. Love it. Brian starts to fire back up, delivering yes kicks. He drops Toehold's brain to the turnbuckle and starts booting him in the head. Hits a Rana off the corner, but Bray kicks out. Uh, Brian does his classic flip over uh, the turnbuckle. Uh, starts running the ropes, and it looks like he's going for the the flying knee, the Busaiko knee. Uh, but Bray just flies at Brian with his... It's like his crossbody elbow. Yeah. It Because he's a big guy and he is pretty speedy as well, this always looks pretty devastating when he hits it. Yeah, like the running like elbow strike thing. Yeah. Know, one of his patented moves. Uh, Brian then uh, leaps off the apron and hits this crazy tornado DDT to the floor. Yeah, pretty nuts. We don't see him do this too often, but out of nowhere, just this diving tornado DDT. Uh, Danielson, just one of the best. It looked great. Uh, Wyatt is now bleeding from the mouth. There's a running drop kick from Brian against the barricade. Uh, a missile drop kick and a kip up in the ring. And now Brian's getting everyone going with the yes chance. He's hitting the yes kicks. Uh, Brian does his... Uh, running drop kicks in the corner and then on the third is met with this huge clothesline which takes his head off but Brian kicks out on two Brian then gets Bray down with the yes lock but Bray is biting the hand to get free and then just starts punching Brian in the head in the face they're now both on the turnbuckle trading headbutts with each other Uh, Brian knocks Bray to the mat and hits the flying headbutt it's Half like a splash as well yeah. here. Um, gets the crowd behind him with the yes chant. Goes for the running knee, uh, but Bray bails to the outside. So then Brian goes for the tope suicida. And in midair, Bray catches him and hits the sister Abigail, throwing his head against the barricade. Ooh. Which just the sound this made as well. It looked nasty. And then he rolls Brian into the ring hits Sister Abigail, and wins the match in 21 minutes, 43 seconds. Damn, yeah. And then everyone's going, ah, Brian lost the opener, means he's coming out at 30 and winning the Rumble. Winning the Rumble tonight. And instead, we all boo Rey Mysterio. <sighs> what a night. The only, and Rey's just like, what the hell did I do? Why <laughs> am I being booed? Yeah, a great match from Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt. I remember this being the, the only good redeeming quality of this show back in watching it live i haven't watched this match back probably maybe even since watching it that that live that night on pay-per-view or the network but so so great i mean daniel bryan cannot have a bad match with anyone and i kind of said bray makes for like this like good super villain so to finally have them fight in that storyline i really remember getting into it and bryan was super red hot so was bray as being this weirdo heel and i think they work really well i think they have great chemistry like bray being a bit bigger 
brings out that like Daniel has to get nasty and more vicious and it just like one ups each other. And I think, I think he brought the, the best out of Bray Wyatt. And I, like I said, he like unlocked something in him that I, at to the, up to this point, I'm like, whoa, I've never seen this guy wrestle this good. And he went toe to toe with the American dragon here. And it, it is something that I always remembered this match, like, oh, when they opened the rumble, I think, you know what? We may have talked about it at a, on a Royal Rumble, rumble match yeah, non-Rumble match, yeah, Rumble matches, and I think we talked about this because it's just so awesome. But uh, watching it back today, I was like, "Damn, that finish with the the counter from the tope into the thing is is like pretty sweet." How could they top that? Maybe six years later, a rematch at the Rumble yeah. might—they just might. It's uh, we said earlier, like Ray really does remind me of Foley. He's got that size and just that brawling style, but can be pretty quick and. And vicious as well. And I, I do think Brian's the perfect opponent for him, especially at at this point in Brian's career where he was at his absolute hottest, where people just absolutely loved this guy. And I think Brian in WWE, you could see when uh like in AEW, he pretty he goes pretty hard all the time. Whereas in WWE, I think because you're I guess working more matches as well, and maybe working people who are prefer a bit of a safer style you'd see when he'd go to the wwe style and then there are certain people i put roman in that as well where the guy is clearly like i don't care if you hurt me a bit today yeah and this this is what i got from this match i always imagine just there's an agreement before the match look just if you punch me in the face you punch me in the face and vice versa and with this kind of sort of david goliath kind of story here with just this guy just beating down on Brian so much. But when Brian gets his offense in, it does look devastating as well. We know he's got the stiff kicks and elbows and all that. I just think it blends together so well. And uh, Bray's character work as well, just the yelling at the crowd. And he feels like a main eventer, like as soon as he stepped into the main roster after NXT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there wasn't a whole lot of like finding his feet period. And he feels, uh, I mean... He's got the victory over the guy who's going to win the whole of WrestleMania in a couple of months. True. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he beats him, but uh, he doesn't win. He it. doesn't win his yeah. <laughs> Um What would you give this? Yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty high on this. I'd probably say like a 4.5, a 4.75. And it, we watched all these matches uh, today, and I'm having a hard time figuring out exactly which one I like the most. So it's going to be tough, but I really love this match. I'm going to go 4.5. Five on this one. All right. Uh, I love this match too. I I went uh, 4.25. There you go. With this one. Um, Cage match has it at an 8.48 and Meltzer a four. Okay. Um, But I think it goes to show like when, when you ask people like, oh, what's, what's your favorite Bray Wyatt match? And this one, I've only watched this one maybe twice. Yeah. But it came to my head right away. Oh, both Brian matches at the romp. Yeah. Have got to be in the conversation. Exactly. Yeah. They have to be. Well, we go forward to the next month, and it's Elimination Chamber. Uh, sorry, did I say Meltzer? Four stars? Yes, yes. Cage match April yes, break. yes. Um, the Wyatts versus The Shield at the Elimination Chamber, 23rd of February, 2014, at the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And, yeah, I mean, this is... It kind of wrote itself. You've got two three-man teams who are just running roughshod on WWE. They haven't interacted at all. And then finally they put the match together. Yeah, both teams coming from NXT, kind of similar ways. They they debut the character on NXT. They're like, hey, this is what we are. 
cool, let's take this exactly the way it is and put it on the main roster. And I think all six of these guys became pretty popular characters on WWE. Obviously, The Shield becoming the people who run the wrestling business all these years later, as we could all kind of predict seeing mm. the, the the talent and the way they were treated. But this was like a dream match in only the little time that they like... How long have they been on the main roster at this point? Like a Shield year? Shield debuted November 2012 and then... Uh, at the Survivor Series. Yeah. And then the Wyatts came in the SummerSlam. So, like, they haven't been around that long. No. But right away, people were like, yo, there's three of them and there's three of them. Yeah. We, need to, we need to figure this out. Gang warfare. And, like, again, in only a few months, people kept wanting to see this match. And the second they finally announced it, everyone kind of got pretty hyped for it. I mean, you got The Shield, whether you got Seth Rollins in there, Luke Harper, Brody Lee being, like, one of the indie icons before coming to WWE. And Dean Ambrose in there, of course, mocks like there was a few things in, in the in the whole wheel of like, whoa, this could be really good. This is really yeah. The, the Shield they kind of like really cement their babyface turn after Mania, but they're pretty much babyfaces here. You had Roman in the in the final of the Rumble against Batista, oh, yeah. and suddenly everyone really wanted Roman because they just didn't want Batista. Yeah, um, and then yeah, so going into this, it felt like. The Shield were kind of de facto baby faces in the feud, but again, it was just both teams were really cool. So people just were going to pick their favorites. Yeah, people were pretty hot for the Wyatts at this point too, especially like this is this is after that rumble with Daniel. That whole angle got them pretty popular. I remember people were buying the sheep masks everywhere mm-hmm. and dressing up like Bray and the Wyatts and stuff. So leading up to, well, people were dressing up as the Shield too, but leading up to this match, I, I remember being really into it. So the crowd are just so excited for this one. There are chants of this is awesome immediately. And then let's go Wyatt's, let's go Shield. The crowd are really hot here. Um, And it starts like you're going through the different combinations. But then there's a huge reaction when Bray is in the ring and Roman tags in. And it's kind of your two leaders going at Yeah, the storyline was Dean Ambrose was the leader, but he was getting pissed because like Roman was kind of getting that spot, even though mm. Dean, Dean was like what us champ for ever and never defending. But yeah. the storyline was D- Dean is the hothead who starts match by attacking Bray, but Bray is just kind of like, whatever, but it's finally revealing like, no, no, no. Roman's kind of, even though he's the heavy, he's the leader. And the moment him and Bray like lock eyes and stare down, the crowd even get they go crazier. Nuts. Uh, the shield isolate Harper for a while and start doing these quick tags. Uh, Ambrose just being a lunatic, just like firing with all these, Rabid punches and stuff in the corner, getting pulled off by the ref. With his earring. Yeah. He then tags Seth, who leaps over Ambrose and then runs and kind of does a poetry in motion off his back to Harper and tags back in Roman. Some nice just quick tag work from the shield here. Uh, Harper then comes in with this big drop kick to Ambrose. And remember, Harper is a big, big guy here. And uh, commentary going crazy that he's left his feet doing these drop kicks. This is something we'd see him do quite a lot. But maybe at this point, the first time we've really seen him do it on the main roster. Uh, Bray comes in and hits his big freight train splash in the corner. Uh, Seth goes up top and Rowan knocks him off, which allows Harper to uh, go for this German suplex off the top rope. But Seth flips and lands on his feet sending uh, Harper to the outside and then hitting him with a tope suicida, followed by the springboard knee to the side of the head. This is something I've kind of missed with Seth 
since the shield is just when he do these quick fire ups and he's diving side to side like a hot tag exactly hype up yeah combo yeah essentially uh he goes for the stomp but harper moves and catches him with a big sidewalk slam and then wyatt comes in and just hits his huge urinagi just sending seth crash into the mat uh ambrose then tries to break up the pin but harper just takes his head off with this big boot uh seth starts to fight back and hits this desperation enziguri to harper and then gets the tag to Roman, who comes in with his hot tag. He's hitting big Samoan drops to Rowan. And remember, these are to like big guys too. Yeah. And now it all kind of falls apart and they fall to the outside. They're brawling on the outside. And Harper comes out with this suicide dive, which just looked crazy here from the big man. Yeah, he's huge. And for him to be hitting those things is pretty nuts. Seth follows up immediately with the Topek on Hilo, taking out Parker, uh, sorry, Harper. And then uh, Seth clears the announce table, but Bray and Harper get hold of him. They tease that they're going to go for the shield bomb, but Ambrose breaks it up. And then him and Wyatt just fall into the crowd brawling and Dean Ambrose disappears. Uh, (laughs) Roman and Rowan are now slugging it out. And in the ring, there's this big leaping clothesline from Roman for a two count. And then we see Seth and Luke Harper fighting on the outside Uh, Rowan hits Roman with the fall away slam and then uh, they clear the table and they double Rowan. Sorry, what is it? The Bludgeon Brothers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rowan and Harper hit a double choke slam on Seth, putting him through the table. So now it's just (laughs) as Bray's just smiling, watching this like (laughs) very Charles Manson. So now it's just Roman and Bray left in the ring. Uh, Bray sets up for the sister Abigail's kiss, but Roman powers out. And then Bray starts delivering these headbutts, but Roman counters with a Samoan drop. Rowan tries to get involved and Rain sends him out the ring. There's then a Superman punch to Rowan, a Superman punch to Wyatt. He sets up in the corner. Ooh, ah. And then Harper runs in, gets in the way and gets hit by the spear from Roman Reigns. And then Wyatt comes flying in with his flying forearm and then hits the sister Abigail on Roman and pins him. In 22 minutes, 28 seconds. Didn't keep Roman strong. He pinned Roman. Roman's just got a six-man against the Outlaws and Kane coming up. Oh, right, yeah. Wyatt's going to have bigger things. Yeah, true, yeah. Yeah, the the Wyatt family defeats the Shield in in faction warfare here. And it it delivered. It had chaos. All The whole match is just nonstop going. You said it's like, what, over 20 minutes? Uh, yeah, 22. Yeah, and I don't really think there's like a breathing time in it. And obviously you got flyers like uh, Seth Rollins, but you know Luke Harper's flying around there too. Dean's doing all the brawly stuff. Roman's throwing people around. So is Bray. I, I thought the combination was, was really fun and works really well. Like you could watch these guys wrestle for longer even. Like you'd want to watch this over and over again because there's so many different combinations. And, and even Rowan, he's the big guy. And at this point, he's kind of green, but he's still like... They picked his spots for him. I think him being in a, a trios, like it always worked because it could, he didn't have to be too long in the ring. He'd come in and like his, his like the high leg lariat he did, yeah. did is always impressive and just pick your spots. Uh, I loved this. It was just a melee, really. Yeah. Like, complete carnage. Um, and I love that they gave Bray the win here. I think everyone was kind of expecting the shield to take the win over the Wyatts, but it was a, a bit surprising. Yeah. Um, 
the only th- and I love the beginning, just the crowd like, oh, we're finally seeing this. The one thing I wish, kind of, is I wish we will talk about another match between these two teams. I wish they had a few more matches. And with this being Elimination Chamber, this is pre-War Games being in WWE. I think they should have done a, a like six-man tag chamber match. Right, okay, yeah. Kind of War Games style. You start with two in the ring yeah, and yeah. your teammates come out one at a time. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. I thought that would have been cool, but... Given that this is really their only pay-per-view match, having just it as a classic match was was great. I feel like it got a lot of interest with people being like, whoa, the two big teams and this is the first time. I think there was there was still some juice in this story, which yeah. they go to pretty quickly on Raw and then that story disappears. Mm. And I mean, don't you have a story where... <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, this around this time, it, we're building up to WrestleMania 30. I'm at a bar in New Orleans, a couple of nights before WrestleMania. And uh, I'm a little inebriated. (laughs) And I bump into Bray Wyatt and Drew McIntyre. And I'm like just chatting with this guy who doesn't know wrestling. He's just a guy from the hostel. And then I'm like, oh, shit. Hi, Bray. Hi, Drew. And Bray says, run. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I asked for a picture. And they're like, nah, I've been drinking. Yeah. No. And I was like, fair enough. And I went, well... Good luck for Sunday. Uh, you must be you must be really excited. First WrestleMania, and he's like, eh. And I went, sorry, what? And he's like, eh. I'm like, what do you mean, eh? You're you're facing John Cena. You're yeah. facing like the guy at your first WrestleMania. That's fucking awesome. And he goes, yeah, it should be Shield versus Wyatt's though, shouldn't it? Ooh. And I was like, yeah, fair play. Yeah. Just kind of shows what a guy he was, though, because he wants that moment for his boys as well. So I think he wanted the, the, the rubber match here. They wanted, well... I think that would have been huge. I mean, I remember the the Shield match you eventually had. Um, they cut the entrances short, and it just... They pretty much went straight to the finish. It was yeah. a couple of minutes long, if that. Yeah. So uh, that was cut for time. But, yeah, I mean, if you did... I think having Shield versus... Wyatt's and then set up a Wyatt Cena feud the next night on Raw would have been yeah. great. But what would you have done with Cena instead that year? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. Have him beat someone else. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I like, yeah. You didn't need to do that. I don't know. But I definitely, I, I think this was a time like WWE, definitely the things that had my most interest were these six man tags that you had. Most Raws and Smackdowns, Shield especially. We should do like a Shield best match ever at some point. Sure. Um, this would be in there. This one's uh, this really This one good. would be in there. But like they had like that the TLC match. Yeah, some of the yeah. stuff with like Team Hell No and stuff on, on Smackdowns was really good. And I think that's like maybe you try and have a, a couple new trios teams going on because uh, they're always fun matches. So we go forward to, oh, yeah. what, what would you give the, the match? Uh, the sh- so we're we're gonna look at uh, the rematch mm. from Raw on the third of March two thousand fourteen, and I always remember being like, "Oh, which one did I like more?" So now I've watched both back, and I I think I like the Elimination Chamber one a bit more because mm. it doesn't have necessarily the screwy finish, mm. and commercial was time was cut through yeah. the Raw one. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go four point four point. 4.75 for, for the chamber for the Wyatts versus the Shield at uh, Elimination Chamber. Nice. I went four and a half 
Uh, cage match has it at 9.23, which is, uh, I think it is the highest match we're talking about today. Okay. Uh, Meltzer, a 4.25. Uh, yeah, great, great match. And they rematch it on Raw just a couple of weeks later, 3rd of March, 2014, at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. Uh, don't call it Chicago. And uh, Well, why it does, because when he gives an intro, he goes, Chicago, we're here. Rosemont, we're here. <laughs> um, so they're playing uh, up the kind of dissension between the Shield at this point, because uh, if you remember, Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt fell to the like into the crowd and we're brawling, but Wyatt comes back and Dean never returns. So he killed him. So Roman is like, where were you? Why, why didn't you, why didn't you come back and help? So, uh, so there's a bit of tension going on between mainly Ambrose and Roman right here. Uh, Ambrose leaps to the outside, immediately taking out Harper and Rowan. Uh, Bray hits this, uh, Samoan drop. Uh, Harper does the German suplex to Seth and Seth lands on his feet. Just a bit of a callback from the yeah. chamber match. Um, and then Seth sit, hits a suicide dive to one side, Con Hilo to the other. And then more like the Fosby flop on the other side, uh, which we don't really see him do much. Yeah. He, again, he's hitting his uh, super Mario star power yeah. up here where Seth is just flying at all times. But yeah, definitely like Fosby, it's like he's like, like with those pole jumpers, pole vaulters, yeah. like jumps over it. And Seth doesn't always do that. So it's pretty impressive. Uh, Rollins then climbs the top, but loses his balance and falls to the outside. Um, and this allows the, the Wyatts to beat down on him for a while. And Seth goes to try and make the tag to Ambrose, but Ambrose isn't on the apron. Ambrose is round the outside giving shit to Bray Wyatt. So Roman gets off the apron and goes to get Ambrose back, leaving Seth completely isolated. Um, and then Harper runs in with this big boot, which takes Roman off the apron again. So Rollins is just getting beaten down. Uh, eventually Ambrose comes in and he's, I know they call him the lunatic fringe, but he's on real lunatic mode on this one. Just lunatic so erratic. Uh, comes in with some clotheslines, uh, slaps Rowan, um, and then there's a drop kick to the knee, and he applies the figure four leg lock to yeah. Eric Rowan. Look at that. Dean Ambrose, just submission yeah. flair expert. <laughs> and what made this even more interesting is he then bridges up into the figure eight. Yeah. But Charlotte, Charlotte's been on TV already at this point. In NXT. Yeah. Oh, in NXT. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. So he's like, huh. He's doing Terry Funk used to get up real like high on it, so I wouldn't necessarily. He's not doing the Bray thing. But, it's not as big an arch yeah. as Charlotte, but it, it's. I, I'm pretty sure commentary even called it the figure eight here. That's weird. Uh, very odd. Uh, Harper breaks it up, but is then sent to the timekeeper's area. Um, and then Bray runs in, hits this huge Uranagi to Ambrose, starts just raining down with these punches, and then this fucking crowd start chanting for CM fucking Punk. Oh yeah, they're in Rosemont. Uh, spoilers, anyone in Rosemont, Chicago, he's going to turn out to be a really big prick. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is a great match as well. Like, yeah. I got it, it used to be a rebellious thing when you're yeah. bored. But like, this match is like cooking. Yeah. And they start chanting CM Punk's the idiots. Yeah. Uh, let's just not go to Chicago anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they're just sour that they're, they don't have real pizza. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rowan then comes 
in and he's like applying the double fists to the skull of Ambrose. What do you call this? Like the just head skull? Oh man, yeah. What is this? The big vice or something? Uh, All I know is they this this is funny because it zooms in on Rowan doing it to Mox. Sorry, Ambrose, which clearly just does not hurt. And the camera's getting way too close. And Ambrose is like, yo, like. I'm supposed to be selling this, but it doesn't, it looks like shit. So he just starts like, he's supposed to be selling it, like, no, stop. And then he just stops and he's just like, he then starts just then he starts giving doing shit to Bray. Yeah, he's, he's like, just, looking at Bray, Eric's good as Eric can't even do it properly. And he's like, yo, Bray, fuck you. Fuck you, Bray. <laughs> yo, Bray, yo, you suck. Yo, yo, bitch, look over here. And he's like, not getting hurt at all. But then he realizes, oh shit, the camera's like right in my face. Okay, I gotta pretend it hurts again. Ah. Harper. If I remember, I think this is the first time Ambrose does the lunatic lariat on WWE because Harper just like takes his head off and he falls back into the into the ropes. and comes back. And normally, I really don't like this move, yeah. but here it it looked like he just got rocked and fell into the ropes yeah. and came back. It's it the best when it does that. One hundred percent. And then Seth says to Roman, "He's like, look, I reach out for a tag and neither of you are there. You two need to figure out your shit." I'm leaving. Uh, you, you two got to win this yourself. Uh, so he walks up the ramp and he's watching from the stage. And then Bray hits his flying uh, like crossbody elbow uh, to Dean. And it's a one, two. And Roman just runs in and breaks up the pin right at the last second. Uh, he hits a Samoan drop to Rowan. The Superman punch to Harper. Superman punch to Bray. And then hits the drive-by. And I feel this might have been one of the first times he hit this. It's always Ambrose setting it up for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Cole is like, whoa, what was that? He took his head off there. So hits the drive-by to Harper. Um, Harper then comes back with a suicide dive to Reigns. And then Ambrose just leaps on Harper, just punching him. Uh, Bray sends Ambrose into the ring post, taking him out. Him out. And then he rolls him into the ring and Seth is just watching on as Bray hits the sister Abigail and wins again in 13 minutes, 54 seconds. Yeah, a little precursor to Seth years later Mm. turning on the shield yet again. Uh, Or is it soon? Months later. Months later? Well, you have have WrestleMania and then they feud with Evolution for two pay-per-views and then it's the turn. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Shield weren't that all together that long in the original run. Though. Only like yeah. two years. Yeah, two years. Wow. Okay. So the signs were there that Seth yeah. was the was pretty peeved. But yeah, another great match. They worked so well together, as we said in the, the Elimination Chamber one. This one was just them trying to like even get more flair in there. But it did have the restraints of like TV. And I'd say Rowan definitely made me laugh with that really fake looking head vice. But other than that, I really got into this match. Like I said, Bray Wyatt is such a, a fun character. Like again, a comic book character come to life when he's beating up these guys and Seth is the one who's flying around. And, and I know Rowan and Harper are bigger than Bray, but Bray's still, you know, no slouch. He's a big dude. So I thought the anytime Seth is involved with those guys, it's pretty impressive. Dean too. Dean was flying around yeah. most, most of these matches in WWE, but it, it just worked. Like I said, the chemistry and the combination here is so fun to watch. And I'm sure they did this match on like house shows or something. They point. did on house shows. They had to yeah. have done this. It would have been a huge draw if they came to your town to, to promote this. And I am kind of sad now that we never got it like years later as some sort of, you know, one off again. And your story about Bray Wyatt saying that to you, mm-hmm. like makes me go, man, you, that would have been a huge mania match if you go, you know what? The, the Shield should have won at this one. So that way, 
there's a rubber match and you like, do that at Mania. WrestleMania 30 was before they started getting really silly with the, the runtime. Like, I think it was 32 was the first one where it was just that, like, seven-hour yeah, show yeah. or whatever. And if it was, like, the two-nighters, I think you would have done this thing. But yeah. uh, instead, it was very much just try and cram as much on as possible. Um, I, yeah, I kind of... I think strengths of this match are the fact that it's it's shorter because it becomes even more of a sprint and yeah, chaotic yeah. and stuff. And I think they they actually told the dissension of the shield pretty well because in a way it protects them in their loss. They want to keep Bray undefeated because he's going up against Cena the next month. So that kind of makes sense having him win. But also you're aware that the shield are going to be your top guys as well. So don't want to necessarily have them win clean here sure. so both matches with kind of one of the shield being missing for the finish kind of protects them in some sort of way as well yeah um yeah i just again we said about chemistry with brian and bray but chemistry between these two teams as well was just off the charts now do you like this one more than you like the elimination chamber one i watching it, both today i put it a notch below yeah me too um Meltzer, however gave it a notch above Oh, you know, he's about like that nerdy stuff. Like, oh, I got the full tape, uh, the commercial break. Yeah. I, I've seen it, so it's better. Yeah. Uh, Meltzer gave it four and a half stars. He was there in Rosemount watching yeah. it. Uh, I would go 4.25, this one. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go four four stars. Four two four two five something like that. I, I, I loved it, though, still. Cage Match has this at an 8.47. Pretty high. So we then go forward. Bray uh, faces Cena at that year's Mania and... Loses. He had the whole world in his hands, just yeah. not in New Orleans. No, day. he had uh, no world in his hands in New Orleans. Mm. But I remember a great Bray Wyatt moment is that moment where he's feuding with John Cena. Is John Cena also in a cage? I forget. No, there's no cage. I forget. So they have, yeah, they have the match uh, at WrestleMania and then they do a match the following month at Extreme Rules, and that's when you had the... The kids? The kids. I thought the kids came out before Mania. Am I wrong? Or there was one kid that... There was also a really lame one where, like, a kid was speaking and it had, like, a different voice that's that played. Right, and, like, so... I think it felt like it botched or something. Yeah, yeah there's there was some bad stuff. But there was some good stuff because Cena, like, at that point, being Superman for all these years in 2014, like, he's already, he's already been Superman mm. for a minute, and... Bray Wyatt using kids against the Make-A-Wish guy was something that's like pretty, pretty spooky and different. And it's like, like he's got them to join his cult. Yeah. And, well, he's still like a cult leader. Yeah. Not yeah. Magic yeah. Yet. yeah. Yeah. He hasn't done anything <laughs> magic. He's just like, hey, wear this, this uh, sheep mask and cloak and sing for me. And, and Cena's acting like, oh, my God, like my worst fears come alive. He's gotten to the kids, yeah. not the kids. So <laughs> Cena's just furious. And that's what sets up their match at WrestleMania 30. And I remember not really liking that match. I, I, I think it just didn't work. Maybe uh, the storyline just wasn't as hot. I remember the crowd being extremely into it though, with the whole, he's got the whole world's in his hand kind of chant and stuff. I think of the, uh, of the Cena kind of, like winning against someone who's getting hot. Yeah. This was one of the most damaging ones. This is the one that Cena, like he, he's not let a few people beat him before, mm. but this is the one I think they should have made Bray go over. Bray was so hot this time. And I think if this was the main event of mania, sure. Like Cena wins, you want people to be happy. You've got kids in the crowd, whatever, but middle of the show, I think Cena could have lost this. You're going to have 
I wonder if, you know, having Undertaker lose in a couple of matches after this, whether that affected being like, we can't have both Cena oh, and the right. streak end. But you know you're going to have that real feel-good moment with Brian winning the title at the end of the night. I think it's the wrong choice. And I think this was the era, uh, like this one... And you could say maybe Rusev the next year, although I did like Cena's US title open challenge run. I think this is the year of Cena's career where you can see he's starting to wind down a bit. He's not in a main event of WrestleMania after 29. Yeah. And for him to like come back now and put over an Austin Theory, it doesn't mean anything now because we know Cena's not the guy anymore. We know he's not active working every single pay yeah, yeah. anymore. We know he's older and slower than he used to be and he's his focus is on hollywood so i don't think someone getting a win over cena in 2023 means as much as it would have in 20 uh 2014 yeah no i completely agree and i think that just would have changed the 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 way the cookie crumbled for like bray wyatt character of having beaten the, the superman the villain does win in the story and makes him a bit more interesting and he could have been a bigger contender to other things. The Cena feud continues. He beat Cena like in that steel cage match at the he next beat him in a cage match, which I think was like you know screwy finish. Yeah, of course. Um, but then they rematch one more time, the third time, and that's here at Payback. And I'd say this one is the most memorable of that feud. Uh, we'll obviously talk about John Cena and Bray Wyatt a little later, mm. but this is the one that I do remember being like, oh, that one was pretty good. Yeah. And it's a last man standing match. I just think, imagine if Bray won at Mania and then he is Brian's next opponent. Yeah. Instead of Brian going a feud with Kane, <laughs> it's, I beat you at the Rumble. I deserve a shot at that yeah, title. Fair. And he's just beaten Cena and just seems unstoppable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But bizarre. Alas. Yeah, bizarre. So it's Bray Wyatt versus John Cena in a last man standing match from Payback, 1st of June, 2014, again at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. What the hell, man? Yeah. Why would they... Like, they were just there in February. And uh, let me introduce March. you to a company called AEW. <laughs> we, we do Chicago every month. Yeah. That's it. Chicago wrestling. So as you mentioned, it's the rubber match. Uh, the Wyatt family are ringside Harper and Rowan, and they climb the apron to kind of attack Cena. But the Usos run out as backup. And yeah, this was around the time the Usos are starting to to get hot as well. They had the good the matches against the Shield, and people were like, Starting to take notice of the yeah, Usos. Yeah, this well. is uh, hard in the paint. Usos. They got the Usos chant. I like. I like their old music as well. This is the era where I can't tell them apart. Yes, fair enough. Yeah. Face paint and dress same and same tattoos and everything. Yeah. Uh, as soon as Jay got that mullet, good good choice, Jay. Right. You know right. who you are. Um, Bray gets the early advantage in the match and does something we saw him do at WrestleMania, which is kind of knockout Cena and then <laughs> dancing with him. And this, this reminds me, the, the WrestleMania one, like he wrestles in his Hawaiian shirts, right? His, yeah. his Ace Ventura, this is Ace Ventura when he knocks out the guy and he's like the Monopoly man and he's like, do not pass go. And he's kind of <laughs> dancing with him. It reminds me of that. Yeah. But also like the Riddler, which is also Jim Carrey, like in Batman, when he's like dancing around mm. and stuff. He's definitely like this is spooky, weird, hilarious shit that he definitely brings back through his oh, yeah. career after this. Cena comes back with the shoulder box, the proto bomb, and the five knuckle shuffle. He goes to the AA early, but Bray fights back with a knee to the gut. 
He goes for his running senton, but Cena moves out of the way and goes for the STF, but that gets countered, and then Bray just lands this huge urinagi, spiking Cena down. Um, Cena climbs up top and hits his, like, leaping guillotine leg drop, which just destroyed the rock a year or so before. Right, yeah. It's basically a famouser off the top. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, Bray then catches Cena with Sister Abigail, and remember it's last man standing, Cena gets up on eight, Cena then powers back up and hits Bray with the AA, but then Harper gets involved, taking out Cena. Uh, there's then a suicide dive, taking out the Usos and Rowan uh, from Uso number one. Uh, <laughs> and then Jimmy or Jay hits this big twisting senton splash to the floor off the turnbuckle, which looked really good. Yeah, very Whisper in the Wind-esque. Yeah. Um, Bray gets back on his feet brings in the chair and starts unloading with chair shots to Cena. Uh, then Cena grabs the chair, and this is a callback from their their Mania match, where is Cena going to use the chair? Use it! Use Do it! it. Uh, Do so it! This time it's no DQ, he doesn't care. He starts lighting up Bray with the chair. Uh, Cena then gets out a table, goes for the AA, but it gets countered, and Bray suplexes Cena through the table. Uh, Bray then brings in some steel steps and is just whacking Cena in the head and then starts conducting the crowd. He's got the, the whole world in his hands. And then Cena comes back using the steps against him. Uh, Bray bells the outside and Cena just picks up these steps and launches them to the floor. Yes, a callback to John Cena in a last man standing match against Umaga. He mm. does this exact same spot. So very similar. Love it. I think it's a really cool spot because it makes whoever's taking it just look like a monster. Yeah. It's like we see people, you know, run with the stairs, yeah. but to just Eat throw it. stairs, it, it reminds me of a thing in a horror film yeah. where you're like just throwing a fridge at someone yeah. to like try and get Michael it, Myers alive. It looks great. I, I mean, clearly he gets the arms up and falls down. No, it hits you in the hope, nose. And you hope the, the things don't like land on the person as they're falling down too. But there must be an art to the, how they can sell this. But yeah, I always love this spot. Not many people can do it. Not many people can launch those stairs like John Cena, but Bray Wyatt ate them here. It looked so good. So uh, now uh, the... Bray and, sorry, Ro Rowan and Harper are coming back involved. They're picking up uh, Bray. Uh, Cena hits another AA, this time on the floor. Um, and then Harper and Rowan are just helping Bray get back to his feet. They're setting up tables everywhere. There's like four tables set up. Uh, and then the Usos come back out for the save. Harper just launches a table in one of their faces and then realize he can't use that anymore because the leg's broken. Um, and now Jimmy hits a super kick to Rowan and a running hip attack to him through a table on the outside. Pretty, pretty radical here. Just flying his head and ass through the table. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Harper then, uh, superplexes Cena through, no, sorry, Jay through the two tables on the floor. And now it's back to just Cena and Bray. Cena goes for the AA on the floor, but Bray escapes and just flies at him with that running crossbody elbow crashing through the timeskeeper area through the barricade crazy big big spot here they're now just fighting through the crowd and into the production area uh bray throws cena over some equipment and just a pyro the other side of the stage seems to just go off 
randomly. Yeah, is this like a, a throwback to the Cena Randy one where Randy's like pushing all the pyro? Maybe, but yeah. like Bray should have used it. Here. Yeah. Or was that like a mistake? Or I don't know. I don't understand. And then they're fighting on top of a flight case, and Cena picks up Bray and hits the AA through another flight case, and then uh, rolls another case over and stands it on top of him. <laughs> stands on top of it, so Bray is completely trapped, and Cena wins in 24 minutes, 15 seconds. A pretty creative finish. We ha- we've seen this a few times in Last Man Standing. That's literally the only way you could win these things, is literally bury them and... Stand on top of it. You know what I really liked about this one? Uh, like the finish. Sometimes we've seen when they do the like gimmicked thing that they're going to put them through. It's like, wait, there's not normally a wall there. Yeah. There's not normally a platform there. Right. Whereas they disguise this, this yeah. wood to look just like all the other equipment cases. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was pretty smart. And uh, yeah, made it look a bit better. Yeah, I I think this was the best of their their three matches here in 2014 because it had the gimmick, but it allowed for like the Wyatts and the Usos to come in and add some like some flair and spice. Because the Last Man Standing matches aren't usually my favorite because it's like you're just listening to this ref count yeah. constantly and it can be boring. So in between some of these counts, you had the tag team like going at each other and going through tables and stuff. So it almost was like entertainment during the match of other craziness which adds to it so i, I got in, invested here but bray is so good and and works well with cena because cena like i said is the superman so when you have this like psycho like bizarro weirdo guy i don't know something about it is very comic booky and i and i like in horror movie-esque that you want to see the good guy win but it's way more interesting when the when the villain wins so uh that didn't happen here and again cena wins yeah i i think I think uh, the Wyatts and the Usos really take this match yeah, up a notch yeah. and it allows them to do some crazy stuff that maybe Bray and Cena aren't going to do in this. So uh, I think it's really enjoyable. I agree. I think it's their best match, uh, the the two of them uh, by far. Yeah. Well, at this point, yeah. at this point. Um, but I wouldn't put it up there with the other matches we've talked about so far. No, I'd go four stars for this. Something like that. I went the same. Four yeah. stars. Cage match an eight. Meltzer was really high on this. Gave it a 4.5. Oh, wow. Star. Yeah. He just loved it. He crazy. loved the creative finish. Yeah. He loved the steel steps. He loved the Usos. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm trying to see what... Uh, I don't think Bray was on the next pay-per-view. What? Why? Um, yeah. So he's... The the Usos defeat the Wyatt family of Eric and Luke by uh, by Pinfall. But uh, he's not on Money in the Bank Interesting. in 2014. Um, so, well, we're going to skip forward a few years now. Uh, is there anything you remember between, like, 2014, 2017, when Bray comes to mind? He had, what, the, the feud with Jericho? Uh, yeah. I didn't really, didn't really care for that too much, but mm. I'm trying to think of other stuff that he did. Uh, what, he, te- he did stuff with Randy Orton? Was that in 2000? Or was that, that come That's later? coming up in 2017. 2017. Yeah. He did stuff with Randy. He did stuff with Matt Hardy. Oh, yeah. When, when was that? The final deletion. The final deletion. There was a final deletion, wasn't there? Ultimate that's deletion? That's probably 2016, 2017. Yeah, that's wild. 2018. Uh, Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, ultimate deletion. It's going to kill me now, but, um, that was pretty ridiculous. Uh, obviously the Matt, the woke, 
broke Matt Hardy, whatever, came in and it instantly meshed well with Wyatt because it would be like those weird, yeah, taped, spooky, ridiculous shit. So I actually, I actually liked the one with Matt Hardy. I wouldn't say it was the best, but I, I still enjoyed it. Um, yeah, what other things have has Wyatt done? It was mainly the 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 Jericho feud I remember for the next like year or okay year, and then maybe with. Ambrose, I feel like he feuded well, with. Well, because before he becomes a fiend, Wyatt did do like spooky, ridiculous shit. There's a moment. Oh man, is it is it Wyatt costs Ambrose something? Like there's like spooky. He comes out at the end of what a Hell in a Cell. He appears in the cage. Yeah, and costs. I'd like to say Ambrose. Yeah, match. was it the Ambrose Seth match? Like there's I an exploding thing too. I don't know. There's there's a lot of like. Hocus Pocus. Yeah, which I wasn't too into as well. But that also wasn't my favorite era of wrestling. I felt like something was a bit not as uh, engaging around this time. And it's not knocking uh, some of the characters, but just some of the direction. And like we just said, some of the direction going towards things that you could have used for maybe bigger and stronger storylines. But uh, he was was still a prominent character. But it wasn't up until, what, a few years later that he still had never won... Championship. Yeah. Like- uh, so he had the um, early 2017, maybe end of 2016. Um, there was the brand split. You started to have uh, like Raw and SmackDown having separate pay-per-views and Bray being featured on SmackDown and has his tag team with Randy Orton. They bring Randy into the family. You're waiting for Randy to kind of like screw them but they're they're actually working as a team for quite a while yeah uh, randy has a nice little feud with uh luke harper as well as part of this story but randy goes on to win the royal rumble in january of 2017 and then bray the following month is in an elimination chamber match for the title against aj styles baron corbin dean ambrose john cena and the miz and this is at the Talking Stick Resort Arena in Phoenix, Arizona on the 12th of February, 2017. Yeah, I remember this uh, simply because, uh, spoilers, Bray Wyatt wins the WWE Championship. Yeah. And I remember it being a pretty pretty big deal and kind of out of nowhere. Mm. It was, I think, Bray, sorry, Randy winning the Royal Rumble was a bit out of nowhere. I yeah. remember that day, suddenly the odds changed to Randy and it was like, what? Mm-hmm. Sure enough, Randy won. And I think that kind of tipped that, okay, you're now having Bray in this elimination chamber. It's probably going to go that way. Yeah. But it did seem like a lot of last minute hot potatoing. You then had what on the other side, you had Kevin Owens losing the title to Goldberg to face Brock for Brock oh, to win it. Like it's, God. it was a lot of, I think now you see a bit better of looking ahead and how you're going to get to a mania. Whereas here it's like, ah, oh, we actually want the titles on these guys and let's hot potato it between January and April to get to that Yeah, point. yeah. So in this elimination chamber, uh, Cena and AJ start the match. They're kind of rekindling their feud that they had, uh, obviously the SummerSlam match and that Raw Rumble that year, which is a great match. Um, so they're going at it. Ambrose comes in third, um, who I think's already had the run with the title, beating AJ, I think, at this point. Yeah. But AJ here is the champ, right? No, Cena, sorry, Cena's Cena is the, the champ. champ here. Yeah, he yeah. beat AJ for the title at, in January at R- the Rumble. Rumble, yeah, great match. Uh, and that's when he became 16, 16 time. I think, yeah. Uh, but then Wyatt enters for, 
force and he's taking everyone out. He's launching AJ against the chain link. Uh, Cena and AJ then start to climb the chamber and AJ just like throws him to the floor. Uh, on top of the pod, Ambrose goes up there and is slamming AJ's head against the plexiglass and then leaps off but gets met with a punch from Wyatt. Uh, Wyatt continues to just beat down on Ambrose in the corner when AJ kind of tries to stop him and Wyatt does like a almost like a belly to belly throw Ooh. off the pod to AJ. While being powerbombed by Ambrose. Yeah. This was a crazy spot. AJ taking the brunt of it, but uh, Wyatt being powerbombed also almost makes it look like he's doing like a spider thing because he's yeah. belly to bellying AJ. Uh, AJ's one of the best in any of these like chamber matches, ladder matches, ultimate X matches. Elevation and, X. Yeah, just like <laughs> dangling off things, yeah. being thrown around. Um, Corbin then enters fourth. Uh, Bray goes for the sister Abigail, uh, but gets uh, slammed into a pod instead. Uh, and then Corbin hits the end of days to AJ. Uh, Cena comes in with the STF to Corbin, but he managed to power out of it and hits end of days to Cena. And then Ambrose comes in with a flying clothesline, throws Corbin against the chains, goes for dirty deeds, but it gets blocked. And the countdown happens and Miz comes out as the last man. And he's staring, looking terrified of Baron Corbin. Uh, and then Ambrose just sneaks up behind and rolls Corbin up to eliminate him at the 18 minutes, 50 seconds mark. So, yeah, kind of weird looking back here where they're, they're still like trying to treat Corbin as a bit of a, a player. Right. Um, with like Miz looking terrified, but then him losing his shit at Ambrose, uh, like costing him the match. So, Corbin just beats him up, throws him through a pod, hits the end of days and just chucks him out of there. And this is setting up their pre-show match at this year's WrestleMania. Wow. Yeah. Great. Pre-show, Dean. Uh, you know, when you, you said we were doing a best match ever podcast today, I didn't expect I'd be watching The Miz and Baron oh, Corbin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Miz then just runs in and picks up the scraps, pinning Ambrose in 20 minutes, 35 seconds. And then Miz starts doing... The yes chance as he's doing the yes kicks to both Cena and Bray. Uh, Brian being what the GM, of right? Smackdown he had retired right in yeah. ring already. Yeah, hits a double drop kick. There's yes kicks to AJ. Miz is doing the running drop kicks to each corner. Hits skull crushing finale to Wyatt on the outside, and then goes for a cross body, but gets rolled through by Cena. And Cena hits the AA. Pinning Miz in 23 minutes, 25 seconds. And we go to the final three. And AJ and Bray start teaming up against John Cena. Um, and then AJ is like, oh, we're a team. So starts doing the whole world in his hands. And Bray just punches him in the face, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, Cena then comes back with the shoulder blocks and proto bombs to both. And calls for the five knuckle shuffle. And then realizes, actually, it's going to be a ten knuckle shuffle. The ten knuckle shuffle is awful. They're both awful. Like, like at least the, the one doing one. Like Jerry the King Lawler used to do a famous like dropping the fist on the guy. Cena, you could make a fist drop look good, but when he's like, "Huh, I'm just gonna drop the bottoms of not my fist, but like the bottom of your hand where there's like nut, it's soft." <laughs> I love Cena, but a lot of his stuff yeah. looks bad. Yeah. Worst STF in the game. STF looks bad. The AA is just a body slam, yeah. really. So uh, yeah. Anyways. He goes, for, he hits the AA to Bray, goes for the AA on AJ, but it gets counted into a Styles Clash, which Cena kicks out of. 
AJ then calls for the phenomenal forearm, but misses and then runs into the AA. One, two, and Styles kicks out. They're kind of nicely like playing off their Rumble and SummerSlam match yeah. here with the big, big kickouts. Uh, Cena doesn't know what to do to put him away, so he starts to climb. And he's on top of the pod. He points at the WrestleMania sign, hits a huge crossbody, taking both Bray and AJ out. And then Cena gets Bray up for the AA, but Wyatt slips out and catches Cena with the sister Abigail and pins him in 29 minutes. He was like, that's for WrestleMania 30, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, which means we're going to get a new champion. Cena, the champ, has been pinned. Therefore, either AJ or Bray. I like when they do this in chambers. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Once the, in a while. like it. The best was when Edge came in at number one and instantly got rolled up by Jeff. And then it's like, well, now there's five more people and we know there's... Win it. Yeah. But this is a huge moment and shocked a lot of people watching, including myself, when I was like, wait, what? I seem to remember something as well. I don't know if you hear him say it to Bray when he's getting pinned or something about like, he's like, it's your time now. Yeah. Uh, so Cena, my time is up. Your time is three now. years later, uh, putting him over here. So we go to AJ versus Bray as the final two, uh, Bray with these vicious elbows, to the back of the head, AJ comes back with a drop kick to the knee and a flying forearm as, uh, as Bray is down. Um, but a kick out Bray then does the crab, and catches AJ in the sister Abigail, but AJ counters it to a roll up for a two. And then AJ hits his, I'd never heard this, but it's the phenomenal blitz, like his combo. Yeah. Moro called it the phenomenal blitz. Yeah, here, yeah. Which, Shout out Moro. His combo looks great. Uh, followed by, but Wyatt meets him with this huge lariat. Yeah, AJ with his fake kung fu and then just gets like King Kong lariated yeah. inside out by Bray. Uh, Bray goes to the Urinagi, but Styles fights out, uh, goes to the Pele kick and kind of just grazes him with this one but then follows up with a psycho knee taking bray out aj goes to the apron sets up and hits the springboard 450 and hits it yeah i i was sure he was gonna miss this thing. yeah yeah um but bray kicks out and then aj sets up goes to the phenomenal forearm but it gets blocked by wyatt turned into the sister abigail a fast one too yeah like countering him from midair and then Quickly spins him around and hits this. And Bray Wyatt wins the WWE Championship in 34 minutes, 20 seconds. Yeah, as far as elimination chambers go, sometimes they can be real stinkers and sometimes they can be really good, like this one. And I've only watched this one once when it aired yeah, live, whenever I watched it. So uh, watching this back reminded me like, hey, even though Corbin and The Miz were in it, they there was, there was some still pretty good stuff. Cena's jumping off the chamber pods. Like that's, he, he wasn't doing that in the early chamber matches, but this is the one of the chambers that don't have the chain on the bottom. It's got like the crash pads, the padding, which yeah. is probably safer for these guys. Because um, as we've, we've done some elimination chamber reviews before, the, the getting banged up on the chains doesn't equal as amount of a good pop or reaction like they're getting way too hurt for something that doesn't it, look it probably hurts way more than a table yeah tables look, look great near as good. yeah tables probably soften a blow whereas this like would legit hurt so it's easier for them to just do it on crash pads but uh a lot of the guys were jumping off and cross bodies Wyatt was in this weird like is he a baby face now and that's something that really ne we never got to tap into the potential of that enough but I'd say this was the moment where as soon as Cena was pinned you were like wait a second so yeah, they played, he, he was kind of, uh, injured for a bit the year before and had the moment at WrestleMania with The Rock, um, if you remember. Okay. When, yeah. Uh, the Rock and, 
uh, Rock basically says like, "Hey, you you should be a bigger deal." And Rowan has the match with him. It's in like Rowan, seconds. right? Yeah. But then the next night, they tease the Wyatts being baby faces, and they take out was it the League of Nations? Remember that? Well, there's Roman and and Bray where the famous moment where he hits the sister Abigail and then puts his hand out as Roman spears someone. It's like the famous like gif moment where like Roman and Bray were a team. But I think they were turning him babyface the next night and then I think he gets injured again and he's off for a while. So here you've got the the kind of Wyatt's with Randy story playing and they've been in that tweener position a lot of the time. But I think here was one of those moments where everyone was kind of pleased to see Bray win the title. It'd been a long time he'd been here. Like, maybe a, it could have happened way sooner than this. But I think generally the feeling was pretty good. And it felt like, you know, having him pin both Cena and AJ was kind of really endorsing him here. Yeah. And a bit of a make good from Cena for their previous feud three years ago. I yeah, think. yeah. It felt like the crowd got behind him again. Because they're like, man, you've been through some stop, stop and starts. And that's from... 14 to 2017. So it's like finally getting his flowers here of like, you know what, actually people really react to you as many people go, Oh, Bray Wyatt and the mumbo jumbo hocus pocus. He sells merch. He had crowd reactions all throughout his career. So it's like, yeah, he need he needed to get his moment. And it was, it was weird that it was out of nowhere in the chamber match, but the crowd reacted. We reacted at home. Like it was good. I thought, uh, I thought he looked pretty good in this match as well. I liked, uh, I know Jay White's known for all of the counters into the Blade, uh, Blade Runner. Runner, same move as Sister Abigail, but I thought, I thought some of Bray's counters into the Sister Abigail were pretty nice here. Yeah. And I thought when the, the clock hit and he made his first entrance, he had a really good, like, like hot tag, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't rewatched this one and I actually really enjoyed this chamber match. I think it's, uh, I'd say it's up there. I mean, AJ putting in a shift in this match, but for sure Cena as well. Like I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed it a lot. I'd give it a 4.25. I went four stars on this one. Uh, Meltzer gave it four and a half. Oh, wow. He loved fucking it. fucking love this one. Big fan of Baron Corbin. In yeah. The Cage match has it at an 8.53. Pretty high. So it's kind of a shame because then uh, Bray goes to face Randy. Randy burns his house down. He burns Sister Abigail. Murders Sister Abigail. Yeah, that's something we never talked about. The name of Sister Abigail. What is supposed to be the long lost sister of Bray Wyatt? Yeah, the Wyatt family member. And uh, he he tells the stories of how him and his young sister. And that's the the name of the move. Is this before or after he we have Sister Abigail as him? Is that so? That's that's a little later. And the next year or yeah. so, when it's meant to be Finn versus Demon Finn <laughs> versus Sister Abigail. Versus Sister Abigail. The match we always but, wanted. Uh, one of them got sick before yeah. the match. Is that when we got? Is that when we got Finn and AJ last minute as a replacement or something like that? Right. Uh, but I just remember the match graphic of. Bray dressed yeah. like a woman and Finn dressed like a pumpkin. Yeah, never forget. It's iconic. What <laughs> it's if like, moment? What could have been? Yeah. We just did our No Mercy review, and we're we're building up to Survivor Series of 1999, and we're like, how did we never get Austin versus Rock versus Triple H? That main event never actually happened. Right. But we're now robbed of. 
pumpkin Finn against yeah. Sister Abigail. I really Pride. wanted that match. I was <laughs> I was really goth kids and emo kids everywhere were fucking waiting for that shit, and we never got it. But uh, we got weird demon Finn stuff from him later on that I wasn't a fan of, and same with Wyatt. But yeah, uh, the Sister Abigail. Uh, spooky. I, yeah. I liked it. I liked how he would tell stories and like mentioning this like figure. Cause for years people would be like, Oh, someone's got to be sister Abigail. Obviously we get into Alexa bliss territory, which she kind of plays this other like spooky mm. girl character, but still not that specific character. You know, I actually really enjoyed the Bray Wyatt Randy feud before. The it got, feud. Yeah. Yeah. The feud, yeah. Uh, I thought that the stuff with, you know, Randy, Is that Randy burning the Randy house burning down, the posing, house down and posing, <laughs> Uh, I thought they did a good job of building them up as like a a good tag team. Like sure. before this, they had some pretty fun matches on SmackDown. Um, so I was kind of for the match, and but then this was the the worms and maggots. This was it, right? Yeah, this is bad. The, and it was, it was so just bad. such a bad match. And Randy winning as well, where you go, man, you. It felt like Bray was just being derailed again. Yeah, he just. Whereas you thought, oh man, he's finally won the title. And then you realize it's just transitional to get it onto Randy to then get it onto Jinder. Oh, wow. You know, like right. it's it's just such a weird time. And you think, man, you could have had more stop starts. Ray yeah. beating Randy at Mania and having this run with it for a little bit. And it just overproduced. Uh, that was also Randy what, riding the sperm to the ring. Was, uh, that, was that what he did? Was it supposed to be a snake? It was supposed to be a snake, and he was just like, why the fuck am I riding a sperm to the ring? The apex predator. Yeah, so... The uh, viper. Doesn't hold on to the title very long, and then uh, we he just has a few stop and starts over the next couple of years, but then debuts uh, at SummerSlam in Toronto in 2019? Yes, SummerSlam the- 19... The Fiend. He's had this whole Firefly Funhouse thing for months going on. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a totally different avenue of his career where he had the Firefly Funhouses where it's him as Mr. Dressup, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers he's yeah. in the, the red sweater and he's got puppets and it's very spooky and very innovative and creative, like different from wrestling, like what we've kind of seen up until that point. You had like the, uh, a lot of insider jokes with these puppets, like the, the, uh, Vince McMahon, uh, puppet. Yeah. Sound, That's good shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which we'd hear of a lot in people who've like left the company and talked and, yeah, been saying this is good shit for bad shit. Lots of little like one-liners. The the one puppet, who, the pig who's eating things. That's supposed to be what Husky Harris. Yeah, the buzzard is supposed to be Waylon Mercy, essentially, mm-hmm. or Bray Wyatt. Um, what Sister Abigail is Sister one of the puppets. Abigail, well, you got the is it Wendy the witch or something like that? Yeah, like, yeah. I I'd say uh, in in honor of some of the great Firefly Funhouses. And the next match we are going to talk about, you have to not only rewatch this, but rewatch Dickie Bird's version, our, our version of the Firefly Funhouse from our, what our, uh, Up Next Summer Mania. Up Next Summer Mania, which is on our YouTube somewhere, yeah. which, uh, Dickie Bird pretty much takes the creativity of Bray Wyatt and goes in a whole other realm. And that, I'd say that's a great honor and tribute to the mind of Bray Wyatt. I mean, I remember, like, you were totally checked out at WWE at, this point sure and and we were at our old apartment and it would be a thing with like raw and smackdown we would check out those firefly 
Funhouse yes, set. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, do you do you have ten minutes? Do you want to watch this? I would check this that thing? out. Yeah. And we kind of keep up to date with them. And some of them left our head like we just scratch our heads and be like, I don't know what that was. Right. But you knew Bray was always trying to put in like little Easter eggs and messages and hints to where it's going or whatever. Um, but it all came to a head at SummerSlam in Toronto that year. Yeah. With one of the coolest live entrances I've ever seen. Yeah, honestly, I agree. I, it blew my mind. I had goosebumps the whole time. The the music changed, the sound effects, finally seeing the costume of what the Fiend is and was, and like, oh man, it was so cool. The lantern with Bray's head. Bray's old head yeah. as the lantern. Like, he's killed the old version of Bray Wyatt. So this dude's also got, what, Tom Savini and his crew involved, which mm. is like horror icon to bring in and come and work on the, the mask and all the creative stuff. I don't know. This entrance is one of my favorite things I've watched live. It was just so good. The match itself was whatever. He squashes Finn. It should have been the pumpkin Finn demon pumpkin thing Finn. versus the fiend, but I uh, I digress. But yeah, like just this entrance alone, I have uh, photos and entrance videos. It had holy of, shit chance. Yeah, it was just entrance, so you know? iconic. And um, shout out our friend Graham, but he actually uh, helped me move seats. And I got to move and sit in the family friends, which is right at the hard cam. So they look at you. So when he makes his entrance, he's looking all at me here. And it's just this great moment where I'm like, wow, I'm watching this whole mm. awesome fiend entrance. And at that moment, I was like, wow, they think, I think they found something here. This all kind of clicks. And of course, he'd be a victim of the start and stop and then the whole Michael Myers fiend thing. And I think of Seth Rollins feud and Bray Wyatt is just yeah. not some, just not good the, stuff. The hell in the cell that ended in a disqualification. You know, like, oh yeah, what the giant hammers? They they backed themselves into a corner, unfortunately, because and they kind of did the same when they made turn Bray from being like this cult leader to being like a magician, a wizard, yeah, you know, like doing magic. Yeah. And it was the same here. He he came in as the fiend, and I always think like you know Finn Balor's demon or Bray Wyatt's fiend or whatever. Like you go back to like a Kishin Liger or something like that. It should be your war paint where it's like, when I do this, I can withstand pain more and I can, like, I can go to depths. Like Ilya Dragunov saying in a promo recently about he puts on the red lenses because then all he sees is red right. and he doesn't care what he's going to do to you and he leaves his morality behind and that sort of thing. And I think if you have that more of what The Fiend is, it would have worked. But the problem is, is they just made him Michael Myers. Yeah. Where he just won't die. You had Seth Rollins, like, well, well, hold on. slamming his head with a sledgehammer. And yeah, he still yeah. still would get up. Well, that's the thing. Is he, like, everyone is like, oh, he's Michael Myers because he doesn't die. But really, he, he was... He was scarier when he was this like realistic cult leader. I, I find things more scary when they're real, yeah. realistic and stuff. And when you turned even Michael Myers in the movies, shout out our Halloween six review coming out soon ooh, in a few ooh, weeks ooh. on this very feed. But, um, he, he became more Jason Voorhees. And I'll tell you, Jason Voorhees is an overrated character. Jason Voorhees in your movies is the one who's like chasing you. And then all of a sudden he teleports and he's right in front of you. Or you kill him and stab him and take his head off and he's still alive. So it's like that is where I don't agree. Why was Seth Rollins like using all these giant hammers and weapons and being terrified of this guy in his face? It's just so hokey. And it's something like the that, new Halloween trilogy. Yeah. The first one I quite liked. Because sure. they were like, all right, let's bring it back to basics. This is just a man who wants to kill this woman. Yeah. And wants to kill yeah. everyone. Yeah. And then the second one is, 
they abandoned that again. Oh, let's just make him invincible. Yeah, and Magic, it got it got too it got too weird. And it, as much as I love my spooky stuff, like it just got too ridiculous. And for me, the jumping the shark moment was Seth Rollins just screaming. I still can't get over Seth Rollins from that. It moment. damaged him for a long, long yeah, time. Like he was just such a geek when he did that. And there was so many moments of the fiend that after that I just did not like. There was certain things when it would you would hear that sound. Mm. He was good at Bray Wyatt was good. He had the things yeah. during his crazy career and then the fiend had the like chalkboard thing With the flashlight yeah and it's like ridiculous but when you do like horror movies and you do like wrestling like sometimes there is that sweet spot but a lot of the times they're missing the mark it also unfortunately just became death for a lot of baby faces yeah who were facing like people would come out of their feuds with the fiend worse off than they were before it just got yeah it just got too ridiculous i think he they were using the silly Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers gimmick when he was just a real guy and he's, it should, it should be him using mind games. That's the actual thing. He's not actually powerful and no. scary. That's, that's, it couldn't get past that. And I think that's where this next match kind of breaks the mold a bit. And, uh, well, we're going to go back to the Royal Rumble and we're going to go back to Daniel Bryan. It's Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend in a strap match. From the 26th of January, 2020, at Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. Wow. Yeah. So this is pre-pandemic? Just pre-pandemic. Edge is about to make his big return. Wow. Uh, We're about to take one more trip to Saudi Arabia and the Elimination Chamber. uh, And then then we're going to shut things down. Oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they've been feuding for a little bit. Uh, The Fiend had dragged... Daniel Bryan into the depths of hell. We know where hell is in wrestling. It's just below the ring. Um, yeah, we're Hornswoggle hanging. And up. that's where Daniel Bryan had his like hair pulled out. So he's cut his hair. He's trimmed the beard here and everything. You're right. Yeah, he's the reason he got his hair yeah. cut, right? Damn. Um, so we're going to go to a rematch from uh, six years prior to this, also at the Rumble. And it starts just with this big powerbomb from Bray. And he starts lashing him with the leather strap. Uh, Brian sends the Fiend to the outside and goes for a Tope Suicida, but the Fiend just throws him into the barricade and is whipping him more. He hits the Uranagi to Daniel and then does his like upside down pose thing to freak Brian out. Uh, Brian starts to fight back and starts kicking the Fiend in the head. Uh, Bray, the Fiend goes for Sister Abigail, but it gets countered and Brian hits a roundhouse kick to the head. And then the Busaiko knee, his finish, but it's only a two count. He low bridges the Fiend, sending him to the outside, and then hits this massive crossbody from the top turnbuckle to the floor. Yeah, classic Danielson here where he's flying. He loves this move. It looks great. Brian then slides around the ring post, allowing him to start pulling the Fiend into the ring post using the, the leather strap and a... Bit of a callback to his Nigel McGuinness match. Yes. I mean, same right? with that crossbody as yeah. well, actually. Yeah. So very Ring of Honor-esque. But this is more of Danielson's a real wrestling guy. He's just a wrestler. And here it's him pulling out the from his darkness, his his old ways of Ring of Honor, essentially, yeah. that he has to fight this movie monster that they try to make it a bit more realistic. So I do I, – I, I bet it was Brian. Like, look, you're not doing any of this. I'm not pulling out a giant – uh, Smash Brothers hammer here. I'm I ain't wrestling. having red lights. Yeah, this. yeah. Right. I'm I'm whipping you with a belt, yeah. and you can you can whip me too. But like, yeah, I, it got to a more believable thing than anything else from the Fiend at this point. 
So there's the flying knee off the apron from Bray, uh, from Brian, and then Fiend comes back with this huge lariat, clears the announce table, and is setting Brian up. So Brian just starts kicking him in the dick. <laughs> he he he's watched like the- five low blows. He's like, no, 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 I'm kicking you in the dick. Like ten low blows and like five kicks no DQ, to the No DQ, I don't care on my baby face, I'm kicking you in the balls. Yeah, <laughs> Fiend's got nards, essentially, here. So he's like, huh, I've seen other movie monsters where you still kick him in the... Yeah. Yeah, sure, fuck it. And he does it, and that's when the Fiend's like, oh, I might be unstoppable, but I, stu- I still have balls. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's a DDT from Brian on the announce table... And now Brian just starts whipping him with the strap. He even whips him in the face. Yeah. Uh, he's doing the yes kicks and like mixing them up. So we'll whip him and then kick him. Whipping him, kick him. Yeah, in the ripping and tearing. He's yeah. like re- wrecking him here in the middle of the, the ring. And the crowd are going absolutely bonkers. This is a rumble at a stadium, right? Yeah. Like a ba- something huge because the crowd is just Based so loud. Yeah. He then lands the big roundhouse kick to the side of the head. And the fiend gets back up and he's like, he asks for more. And, you know, this was the thing here where I, like, The Fiend was really working for me in this match because it wasn't him just, like... Sitting up. No-selling and sitting up. This was kind of the, almost the New Japan Strong style. Like, is that all you got? Come on, chop me harder, chop me yeah. harder. And whereas I, I just think it worked so much better. Um, so Brian now starts whipping him in the face. And, and And mind you, Fiend has a mask, but I swear... His, his like, right eye looked like, by the end of this match, was so swollen. You can only see so much yeah, of his yeah. eyes, but I, th- I swear his face was so swollen from getting whipped and kicked right in it. He's kicking him in the head and then grabs the arms. And, I mean, he doesn't say it in here, but he's going to kick his fucking head in. <laughs> starts stomping down on the head. Gets the yes chance going. And then runs, going for the knee, but gets caught with this crazy Sister Abigail. Yeah. It's almost like the end of days. He, he counters just, the he counters the Busaiko knee and then turns it into a end of days into the Sister Abigail. It's like midair. Looks fantastic. Probably the best Sister Abigail he's done. I yeah. think this look great. And Brian kicks out. So now the fiend is whipping Brian and he just picks him up by the chin. And Brian, with everything he's got left, slaps the fiend. So the fiend slaps him back and then applies the mandible claw. And Brian is like struggling to the turnbuckle, trying to turn this into like a triangle hold. But the Fiend drags him back and is putting him down to the mat. But Brian manages to counter that and applies the label lock, the yes lock, but wrapping the strap around his face as well. Yeah, what an image here. Such good video. Iconic classic image where he's got the yes lock with the strap around the scary face and mask of the fiend like it's just so spooky looking i love this and he's screaming it's also it's almost more terrifying when the fiend was in pain here than some of the other moments i've seen Mm. in his career thus far it's just so scary as he's trying to reach but the face and the fake teeth and everything it's it looks amazing bray fights out of it and is now punching brian in the face goes for his sister abigail again but it looks like brian's playing possum and he goes for a roll up for a two count and then lands the Busaiko knee, but the Fiend kicks out. Brian is now firing up, and this is another great shot here. He's like getting up, he's on his knees, doing the like shaking of the fist thing, and the Fiend just rises up to his feet behind him. Danielson turns around, and now he looks defeated. He knows he can't do anything else. And he grabs the strap, starts whipping the Fiend. The Fiend doesn't budge. And applies the mandible claw and then turns it into this big 
claw uranagi slam. Yeah, choke slam, claw slam, mandible claw slam. And pins Brian in 17 minutes, 31 seconds. Yeah, what a, a violent match. And uh, these two, all these years later, wrestling again at the Royal Rumble. And opening the show again, too, I think. Maybe, possibly. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, it just just awesome. They clearly have great chemistry. Brian clearly brought something out of Bray Wyatt here and The Fiend. I was not a fan of The Fiend being this unbeatable monster, but this match, it was different. It wasn't uh, uh, magic shows and all this. It was, this guy is just actually a beast. And Brian had to be the the David versus Goliath, which he's so good at being the underdog. But but The Fiend, Wyatt, he brings something out of Danielson. The commentary, Michael Cole was great on it being like, yeah, like, we haven't seen Danielson do this. He's usually a happy guy. His t-shirt says, you know, vote green and like the earth and all this. And here he is like whipping the shit out of this dude because he's pissed. He was furious. So it made for this great story. And in little pockets, the fiend was awesome. And a lot of other times really did not like it. But in moments like this, it's damn near perfect. I really thought this was even a step up from their rumble match years before. I, I really enjoyed this at the time. I think on rewatch, uh, and being a bit removed from everything that's going on back in 2020, this is really good. I, I don't remember as many people being on high, as high on it as they should have. And I think that was negativity towards the character of the fiend. And also we want Brian to win, which is always a thing. So, whereas I think you look back, I think they work a completely different match to the rest of the fiends run. And they just go so hard here against each other. Yeah, uh, I, 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 sorry, I, yeah. I watched I watched this maybe once before. This is the second time watching this, and I think it's I think it's the same thing. Being a little removed from it, and always remembering the 2014 Rumble match that I kind of forgot about this one until recently. We're recording this in late September, early October 2013, 2023, and Daniel Bryan Danielson just had a strap match with Ricky Starks on TV, which was. Sorry, on pay-per-view, which was amazing. Mm. And the lead-up to that was, hey, I had a strap match with someone I loved, and I beat the shit out of them. What do you think I'm going to do to you? And it was a callback to yeah. that. And I don't know if having that so fresh in my mind and rewatching this made it even just a little bit special, but I think this was my favorite match I watched today. I think I'd, I'd, I'd go 4.75, but fuck you. Rest in peace, Bray Wyatt. Five stars from me. I love this match. These two beat the shit out of each other, man. Yeah, I, I went... 4.75 as well. I think because this is maybe the match where you see uh, a lot of Bray's creativity at the be- at his best, which is, I think, something we're all going to praise him for more than his wrestling most of the time. But then his wrestling is is here as well. He looks like the ultimate villain. You've got the ultimate baby face. You've got something about... What I really like about strap matches is you see the welts. Oh. You see the damage immediately danielson is red we go back to what we're saying about you take a bump on the on the chains steel. okay you might get a little mark but you whip someone once with a belt yeah and you're a pasty motherfucker like daniel bryan is both, you see it right away both guys were just whipping yeah. each other like i said the guy's wearing a mask but i could tell his eye was like swollen or something and it's just a violent match i i really love this and i i have not watched it since watching it live and I think it kind of flew under people's radar, and I'm so happy. The, the, one of the best reasons we love doing this best match ever show is definitely cherry picking and finding stuff that maybe we weren't. Too, I always think of their first Rumble encounter, mm. but after today, I'm like, I watched them both 
simultaneously. And I, I think they stepped up the violence into this one and it worked. Cause Brian, again, the wrestler, the, the vegan dude versus what a monster. It's stupid, mm-hmm. but wrestling is stupid and wrestling's super entertaining. I thought this was awesome. Uh, Meltzer gave this match four stars, cage match a 7.54. I feel there's maybe some fiend fatigue. Absolutely. Can't, can't I, blame it. Yeah. I, I kind of disagree but with that. But if them. you're, if you're on the fence, just rewatch it and you'll see what we're seeing. So then, uh, Bray goes on, uh, he defends the title in Saudi Arabia against Bill Goldberg. For fuck's sake. This, this undefeated. How do you kill a monster? Yeah, what what uh, what's your favorite horror movie franchise where the monster is just undefeated and won't die? How do you finally beat it? Bill fucking Goldberg. Two minutes fifty nine seconds squashes the fiend. Like this, there's moments of bit like derailment yeah. in Bray's career. This, was this it. one's huge. This I was think. so bad, just so bad. Um, they would go like the plan was. Goldberg v. Reigns, which obviously we then, someone fucks a bat and we, the world shuts down and yeah. WrestleMania's in an empty arena PC. Roman Reigns goes home and stays safe with his, his brand new twins for a little bit and that match doesn't happen. But I feel if you were going with Goldberg v. Reigns anyway, it didn't need the title. No. Spear versus Spear. There we go. That's the match. You know, like it's, uh, to take it off Bray at this point was, uh, it was really disappointing and in such a squash. And mainly because Goldberg couldn't really do much more at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought this was... I, I remember, I'm remember. i remembering now. I really didn't like the whole Fiend stuff up until that match with Danielson. And I thought, wow, that, you know, maybe he is finding his stride. They're moving away from spooky stuff. And instead, it's like, let's just shut it down completely with Goldberg beating him. I'm not sure if it was because of injuries or whatever was going on. But just so, like, just again, as a fan, just like... Taking the air out of the room, deflating the whole like, all right, they stopped and started again. Just so what we get Roman versus Goldberg, mm-hmm. which spoilers, we don't even get. We get it eventually. Just uh, eventually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Price makes a point. Goldberg should have gone against Bray and not the Fiend. Yeah. Like, I mean, I still think it's a bad decision, but I think if you were going to take it off of, of Bray, maybe having it as Bray Wyatt yeah. rather than the indestructible monster that you built up. It was, would make a bit more sense. It was bad. Um, but then, as I said, we go into the the pandemic. John Cena cuts his promo where he's like, it's WrestleMania coming up, but I want to give other people a chance. We're looking to the future here. And Bray comes out as the Fiend and kind of challenges him. So he's like, okay. Uh, but then everything shuts down. So they announce it's going to be a Firefly Funhouse match, whatever that means. And, well... We didn't really know what a Cinematch was at this point. I mean, I guess Impact had done their total deletions and things like that. Yeah. Hadn't really seen a great deal of it on WWE. Yeah, so we got the ultimate deletion with Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Yeah. And then obviously the pandemic happens a little while later. WrestleMania was only so so close coming up that they to cancel that to do it a, a, like weeks before. Yeah, like their biggest show in front of no one in the PC is so like so lame, so like oh, just awful. That the night before on night one they do the graveyard match with AJ Styles boneyard, boneyard match. How could I mess that up? I absolutely loved yeah. that match. And the next night it's like they're clearly going to do something similar to that. And I don't know if we had that 
like idea in our mind before yeah. seeing the Boneyard match, but then it kind of raised the level of excitement for, oh, they're going to do something like that for right. Cena Wyatt. Exactly. And just what are they going to do with this? Yeah. And also knowing what a creative mind uh, Bray is. And, well, it's the 5th of April 2020 from the Performance Center slash Bray's Fire, Firefly Funhouse. Some warehouse in Florida. John Cena makes his entrance to no one in the Performance Center and says, and welcome to WrestleMania. And he gets cut off. We're getting like the Bray Wyatt, like, duh, stuff duh. mixed with <laughs> Vince going, welcome to WrestleMania, Mean Gene, like all these WrestleMania openers. And then it cuts to the Fiend, the like disturbing like Fiend music. And then goes to the Firefly Funhouse music. And we see Bray in the Firefly Funhouse. And he says, there's another world. This is his, like, Mr. Rogers character. (laughs) There's another world that exists beyond our realm. A world where gods and angels and monsters are neighbors. And who are we really? And why do we do the things we do? So let's have a real good look at who you really are. You're about to face your most dangerous opponent yet. Yourself. And starts laughing maniacally and says, welcome to the Firefly Funhouse. And he walks through this door and the sign on the door in like kids writing. Abandon all ye who enter. <laughs> yes. And then we see Cena has been teleported there. He's in his classic green never give up shirt. Yeah. I mean, already shorts. it's already like, wait, what the hell am I watching? And, you know, for someone like me, uh, smoking a joint while watching this was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I re- we were in my my room at yeah, the old place. We were watching this live, doing a watch along. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, yeah, and j- just the visual of Cena in this setting, right away. Like, yeah. Okay, this it's kind of cool. It's very it's almost multiverse, uh, yeah. like cartoony. It's very funny. So Ramblin' Rabbit tells him to follow Bray through that door. Uh oh. So he goes through the door, and he's all in the dark. And then we see the the Vince McMahon Devil Puppet or Mr. Muk Bossman, I think he's yeah, called. Yeah. And he says, Do you have enough ruthless aggression to excel beyond your wildest dream and be a success Do you have what in it this takes? company? Show me or you're fired. And then we cut to Bray, who's in the ring, and we're cutting to uh like images from that smackdown where kurt angle is issuing the open challenge yeah it's cutting as if bray is now kurt in the ring bray's cutting the same promo yeah and it it looks pretty cool going back and forth between him and angle and then cena comes out in his original smackdown gear yeah he's not even the prototype he's just some guy named john cena like he's he's young with they've taken the uh the fist from the (laughs) warehouse so the fist is just behind him yeah everything else is pitch black it looks really cool. Uh, what doesn't is John Cena's hair. Yeah. <laughs> Why? No one told him to cut his hair for that. I know he's doing movies and stuff. And I know the dude went bald and fought back to have his hair. But, yeah. like, you can still cut it. Yeah. It does look weird in all, all of these segments. All of these scenes. Especially when he's playing himself from, what is it, 2002? 2002? Yeah. So bizarre. Looks so funny. Uh, so now... Bray Wyatt says, what makes you think you got what it takes to hang with Bray Wyatt? And Cena, just like he did 20 years before, ruthless ruthless aggression. aggression. He goes to slap Bray just like he did to Kurt, but Bray ducks. 
And then Cena tries again and Bray ducks again. And Bray's like, oh, this is pretty embarrassing. I'm literally living your biggest failure. I can see why you almost got fired, which is a, a true story that Cena was almost on the chopping block at one what, point. What, just because he wasn't good? Yeah, it just wasn't like was nothing boring. was connecting or whatever. And then he goes, ah, 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 you can look, but you can't touch. Uh, uh, Cena recently gone through the... Nikki Bella divorce. Nick- yeah, I mean, they never even got married. Oh, sorry, right. Divorced yeah. from their f- engagement. Well, you know what? Maybe she should have followed his rules. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's doing okay with her, her Russian dancer now. Yeah, you mean the dancer that she was with Cena? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's not the good guy in this. <laughs> I, I really like John Cena, but whenever I see that clip of him, like, you know, wanting to put down Daniel Bryan's dog, because he broke the house rules. I'm like, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> it's his house. The house always wins. And, you know. You Jeez. Know, yeah, that one was, that one's made pretty upsetting. But, yeah. So, uh, Cena keeps on trying to slap him. And Bray goes, is this what you really want to do with your life? And it cuts to a picture of, we, we saw it, especially with the, the program with The Rock, of young John Cena holding, like, a paper WWF title. Yeah, I think back to Cena did an album. Which yep. uh, went platinum, but uh, in the one music video, it has all these clips, and it's this clip of where Cena's got like the toy title belt and yeah. stuff. It's pretty cute. And then we cut to Macho Mercy, so the the Mercy the Buzzard puppet, but dressed as Macho Man Randy Savage, on the commentary desk with Mister McBossman, and they queue up Saturday Night's main event. Yeah, this is pretty funny. Where Bray Wyatt's now in the exercise gear of Bray Wyatt. I need to be this version of Bray Wyatt for Halloween sometime, but where he's behind the, the classic blue cage and he's flexing and he's it, all What, what did he call this, his Wyatt Jim character? Oh yeah, I forget. He's like I, a Mr. Motivator. Yeah, I wanted person. this shirt as well, with the, the Fiend ca- cartoon on it as well. It's pretty funny. So yeah, they're in, in the Wyatt Jim and he Bray saying, oh, this next guy is such a specimen. And uh, that'll, that's all that matters here. No matter how little talent you have, it's how big your muscles are. Yeah, work And introduces out. Johnny Large Meat. <laughs> Johnny Large Meat? Johnny Large Meat. <laughs> so Cena comes out and he's pumping weights like dumbbells, but doing it really quickly as he's cutting a, a very 80s style promo, you know, just yelling yeah. like coke fueled. It's an 80s montage thing. Yeah. And he's pumping the weights faster and faster. And now everyone's looking at him in shock, including uh, the witch. Sister like, oh Abigail. My God. And then Cena drops the weights. But he's been working out so much that now he can't use his arms. And his arms are just jelly. Spaghetti. And Bray says, what you going to do, brother, when egomania has been ru- running wild on you? Um, so, yeah. What, what, what did you make of like this? segment so the one before is kind of bringing up his like how he was almost fired bring up his debut his failures in his relationships with like nikki and stuff like that yeah yeah and then this is kind of what saying like all you've really been is like a 80s style wrestler in the modern world and you're hulk hogan you're hulk hogan yeah this sets up you're hulk hogan except 
when Hulk Hogan got stale, they knew what to do with him. And yeah. Essentially, the next one here. But I, I thought this is pretty funny. Funny with the two of them. Like, how do they not laugh? Like, oh yeah. They, obviously, I'd, I'd love ended. to see like the, the outtakes. Floor, yeah, the outtakes of this must be insane. This and the boneyard match. Yeah. You know? Oh, that one might be even better. <laughs> just, just Doc Gallows, just fucking having a hoot. <laughs> just, just AJ and Undertaker talking. <laughs> be a fly on the wall. They're, for that. they're family friends, aren't they? AJ yeah, and yeah. Like, uh, so. We throw back to SmackDown with the giant fist, and now he's the Doctor of Thugonomics. And we've got the, the old John Cena entrance music. Oh, yeah, one of my favorite as themes. As Bray's just, like, dancing along <laughs> Yeah, <to laughs> little, little, like, little moments of this that were so funny to me is Bray, Bray, cutting to Bray, like, vibe into Cena's theme. He's like, oh, this is pretty good, which it is. So, uh, like, Bray's like, uh, sorry, Cena's like, oh, now I'm the Doctor what, I just like to switch like that mid-flight? Oh, the audience would like that. I switch from six to midnight. And then he goes on like, oh, I'm talking in rhyme. Like, yeah. he's not aware he's rhyming, but he's like, it's almost like an episode of Buffy where they're like singing to like sing or yeah, whatever. Yeah, so he's been like, he's under some spell where everything he's doing, he's dressed like he was in 2003, 2004, and he's sounding and rapping and even repeating some of the, the, the cheesy rap lines that he used to do. So his first lines are like cheesy and not really getting a reaction. They even like cut in like cricket oh. sounds. But then he turns it on Bray and starts insulting him. He brings up his like past gimmicks as Husky Harris. And every time... Cena is cutting him down. Bray just looks sad. He yeah. looks like he's going to cry. And uh, Cena says, you've been a disappointment and a slut for chance. And we kind of get cut in the promo leading up to this where Cena calls him like a disappointment, an underachiever, uh, overhyped and all this sort of stuff. And Bray sounds really sad. And he says, chances... How dare you talk to me about chances, John Cena? I had to earn everything I've been given in my life and they still try and take it away from me. You're the golden goose around here. You're handed chances, but you're not a hero. You're a bully. You take the weaknesses of others and you turn it into jokes. You do anything for fame, John. Oh, you're the man now. And this is your last chance, John. The floor is yours. And Cena cuts another quick rap and ends with, uh, D's nuts in your face and just throws a packet of nuts. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of, I guess, talking about all that time, like where Cena was criticized for holding back talent, yeah. for always being the one winning. And it has been a thing like him and The Rock are guilty of is when cutting down his opponent, actually picking up actual negatives of the guy. And it, it does make you look at them weaker. I always think when he brought up Cesaro's salami nipples. <laughs> And then you can never unsee it after you see it. So I thought this was pretty good. Bray being like, hey, look, how stop and start has my career been? Yours, yeah. you've never You're had Superman. It. You're Superman. You win whatever. You bully people. You hold people back. Uh, so, yeah. Really uh, cutting deep here. Mm. So we, we then cut to the, uh, sorry, Cena then... Puts uh, the word life knuckles, which the, I've never seen these word life knuckles before, like the purple and yeah. yellow. Because back in the day, they sold like the the silver or white ones that, that he used to have. But these ones are jokes. I don't know if you could wear these into a wrestling event because it kind of looks like you're wearing brass knucks. But I need to know yeah, if they – yeah, I need to know if they sell these. These are pretty funny. So then Cena charges at Bray, but Bray kind of teleports behind him, wraps the, the Doctor of Thugonomics chain around his fist and knocks out Cena – and then we cut to the original iteration of Bray Wyatt, where he's in 
his rocking chair, probably somewhere in Louisiana. Yeah. And he says, I am the color red in a world of black and white. I had the whole world in my hands. And Abigail spoke of this day. You were supposed to be a man of the people. So why weren't you listening? And we're cutting to their WrestleMania 30 match with everyone singing. He's got the whole the world whole in his hands. World. With Cena kind of looking like shocked that the whole crowd are singing. Bray conducting them. And he says, listen now, John. They wanted me and needed me. This was supposed to be a prophecy fulfilled. I can't remember what it's like to fail. But now it's time to rewrite my own story. Run. Run. So he charges him in the corner and does the the repeat this back in like the the blackened ring room. Yeah. And he starts doing the dance again with Cena like we saw in the previous matches. Goes for Sister Abigail, but Cena slips out and Bray hands him the steel chair. He goes, six years ago, you made the wrong choice, cowboy. So now face it, John. And Cena swings the chair at Bray, but Bray disappears. Ooh. Mm. So all those years ago at Mania, he should have, he's like, you should have hit me with the chair. You should have turned heel. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean? I made the wrong choice. And then we cut to NWO WCW Nitro with Bray doing a fantastic Eric Bischoff impression. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, cuts between them. Hey, everybody. I love you. I love you. I love you too. Hey, how's it going? Uh, And... He says, you know what I really want to do right now? I want to introduce the coolest guy. And it's cutting between him and Bischoff introducing Hogan. He says, give it up for John Cena. And Cena comes out with the WCW title, sprayed NWO, NWO shirt. Cuts to Mr. McBossman saying, that's such good shit. That's such good shit. And then it cuts to like clips of Hogan turning heel, joining yeah. the NWO, all that stuff. As Cena's doing all the Hogan stuff in the ring. They too the... sweet each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. He throws the NWO belt behind him like he doesn't care. And then it cuts to Cena taking out Bray. And then it's just all these signs over the years that Cena sucks Cena chance. Sucks. If Cena wins, we riot. Basically, all the moments, Unforgiven in Toronto, uh, ECW One, one Night stand. stand, like anywhere Cena was just booed. Enemy and anytime like you thought, okay, now they have to turn Cena heel. Like all these little Easter eggs of like this thing where you wa- you wondered, hey, will Superman ever turn heel? And it never happened. And that's what is challenging here. So Cena takes Bray to the mat and starts beating down and him punching. But then we see all he's really doing is beating up uh, the pig husky. The the puppet, yeah. Yeah. And then we see the fiend rise up behind John and he applies the mandible claw followed by the sister Abigail. And then we rehear the words from John Cena calling him overhyped and overprivileged. And then he takes Cena down with the claw. And then we see the Mr. Rogers version of Bray run in to count the pin <laughs> one two three the fiend wins in 13 minutes 48 seconds that was all 13 minutes yeah jeez there's a lot to unpack there a lot to unpack yeah i like how uh bray wyatt's like hey there's a pandemic john so i'm actually going to challenge you to a firefly funhouse match cena's like yeah cool i'm in wait what's a firefly funhouse match it's uh, a match where the rules are made up and uh, i do whatever i want mm. and it's basically himself counting the pin in an empty like yeah. warehouse so uh it's so interesting it's like very creative they only had so much time to come up with the ideas for this pandemic mania and you got to give them credit for coming up with something that 
people like were so quick to dissect and rewatch and want to talk about even all these years later because it's something that they never had done before and kind of putting a lot of trust into it because it is John Cena. It is the golden goose, as he called mm-hmm. him in this thing. Like, even though John Cena's kind of past being a regular at this point, still he's the face of like WWE and people know him from that. So it was kind of interesting to allow him to get this silly and get this goofy and take a, a little look back and dissect like certain things. And I don't know, it was very interesting. Obviously, it's not a wrestling match. It's just like one long like promo segment, but kind of never but been done before. A real interesting like dissection of Cena's career. Yeah. And especially like the history that those two have had. And Bray, like, like you, you believe you buy kind of that maybe Wyndham Rotunda feels that yeah. Cena kind of held him back, back in 2014, whether that's right or wrong. It's, sure. It's bad booking over Cena, but I, I think it's, it's fascinating. And then just, just cool visuals of seeing, you know, Cena recreating his debut, Cena, in the NWO, exploring how he'd be as a heel. Yeah, um, which I always wondered. I've always wondered, when is it going to come? Yeah. When's it going to happen? And it never happened. And I, uh, it, it just shows, I imagine, uh, I, I imagine there's other people, like a, like a Jeremy Borash or whoever, like involved with this as well. But it's clearly like a lot of Bray's own creativity here. Sure. I kind of wish we... We then had like all the pandemic era stuff. We had that awful like swamp match with Ugh. with Braun and the stuff with Alexa. Alexa Bliss. Um, and then um, the doll. Well, and then Roman comes back and wins the title in a triple threat match, and kind of I don't even think Bray gets pinned for it or whatever. Okay. Um, but yeah, so again, it, it then kind of feels like it's the end to Bray, and then they start building up for for Randy. At that next WrestleMania, which is semi with a crowd, I kind of would have been interested to see Randy Orton's version of this. Okay, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I know we were, they probably didn't want to do too much produce stuff because they right. finally had a crowd back at the next year's WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. But and I know I think Bray was majorly going through depression at that point. Brody Lee of passing away. Brody yeah, Lee, yeah, and. There's stories of them not really having a finish to the match until the day, and then them like basically being ah, Randy just RKO owes you, and there's a box. And but I, I, yeah, I think Randy is an interesting career that Bray could have done this. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the history together from years prior. Everyone was expecting it to have the 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 fun, and I think you could have didn't. you could have done it backstage where it then ends in the ring with some sort yeah. of a match. But I, I think that would have worked way more. Um, also him exploring like, you know, Randy just being a dick. Yeah. Like shit in people's dick, bags. Exactly. All that stuff <laughs> I think would have been really interesting. Uh, but when we go to this match, it's hard to kind of rate it, but yeah, it's not really Meltzer a refuses, but yeah, it's not really a match. Right. But it's, it's part of wrestling and uses all these like insider things. I think, uh, people who don't, who don't catch everything, they could still understand what it is and what, what's going on. And it's just visually funny and, and spooky and scary. So I do, I did really enjoy it. I think after watching it uh, once or twice, I kind of liked it even more and mm-hmm. kind of understood it a bit more. Call me crazy. I loved the boneyard and I think I preferred the boneyard to this just because it was more silly. It was even more sillier, like undertaker. And more of a match. Yeah. Well. And they're fighting in a barn and a good boneyard and stuff, but this is completely different. And it's, it's again, no one's ever done this stuff. So I don't necessarily say I, this is a five star match, but it's definitely a, like a, 
a five-star moment or like promo or segment or whatever you do want to call this because it's so entertaining as, and again, Cena being the Superman for all these years, it's, it is kind of like highlighting and Bray Wyatt going back to his, his old characters and all the different things. So yeah, it's almost like a movie, a short yeah. film of spooky meets wrestling and done in a, in a good way. We didn't mention Titus O'Neil as well. Right at the end, <laughs> it cuts to Titus. Who's just like, I, uh, uh, I, I don't know what I just saw. And it's so funny. So like they clearly knew they were going for laughs and stuff during this whole thing. So yeah, uh, just a great piece of like, I think this will go down as the most memorable part of Bray Wyatt's career, if not fiend career, because just recently Cena has been going off saying like, yeah, I fucking love this. Like I love doing this. When he came to me and said, we're going to do this, this, he was so into it and thought that it came out perfectly. So uh, watching it. Yeah, it's, it's great. I love wrestling for the wrestling, but once in a while, I can get into stuff like this. Especially at this point, where it was... Pandemic. Well, we either have Cena versus The Fiend in, in a match. No, one no one's going to be this there. warehouse. Or we do this. And definitely, I remember enjoying both these WrestleMania nights more than I thought I would have. Yeah. And the highlights were these two yes. cinematches. Exactly. And then I'd probably throw Rhea and Charlotte in there as well. Sure. Um, but I think at a time when we really couldn't do anything... Uh, I'd say the stadium stampede as well. That was something where it just felt like a breath of fresh air and a bit of escapism and enjoyment rather than just seeing more wrestling in front of nobody. Yeah, it was it was way more refreshing and something eye-opening and creative and uh, risk-taking, really. So as far as cinematches go, I'm going five-star. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree, man. It's, it's very interesting to watch, and I, I have to say Bray's funny and scary and and not just this one but a lot of the other fire the fireflies leading up to this Mm. like there's some crazy firefly segments wwe has taken all of them and put them together as one like 45 minute video which i'd recommend people i know people were checking out since his passing but like he had some crazy moments on there where he was getting scary and crying and yelling at the camera and like i I don't know i i thought he was pretty creative and it oh it made me wonder like would they ever make a movie based on Bray Wyatt or whatever? Because I think that was somewhat in the plans. Like, um, uh, well, they they had uh, a horror writer yeah. on to work with him. Yeah, they, I believe. But like, imagine you had like an anthology series like Tales from the Crypt, where yeah. it's like one story is about this spooky family from the swamps and their cult, and then you have another movie where it's about you know the. I mean, he could have. I could totally see him in you know. Rob Zombie movie. He's clearly inspired you know, like by a lot of that. Yeah, he's inspired he, by Rob Zombie. He's for very sure. and he's very good at it, and would be great in those things. Yeah, because it it does make me go like, oh man, because even in his promos before he was the fiend, he would like come up with mumbo jumbo stuff that he then would take, and it's like when Star Wars they made like little they have one-liners that they take and then make into like a whole prequel of like the clone wars let's just take that so like bray wyatt when he talk about sister abigail he'd also talk about like oh there was this sister abigail we lost her but there was the man in the woods and like he had you know yellow piercing eyes and there's so many times he had stuff that he then went yo what if the fiend was the guy i was talking about and that and this and yeah so he's so his mind must have been fucking nuts going on with all these things because he he clearly had a knack for it and part of me wonders like hey what if you ever evolved from wrestling and did move into hollywood as some other wrestlers do i think you would have found a place for it yeah oh absolutely 100 percent. and i i think sometimes the problem can be in a wwe system is your over creativity can piss people off sure in like events 
and writers and things. And sometimes you, the execution isn't necessarily 100% what he, his vision is. Yeah. And especially with bad booking, like breaking up your momentum and stuff like that. Like it's, we never had any iteration of his runs, like really see its full potential, but they always started off with some really exciting, interesting stuff. I felt. Yeah. Um, Cage Match has rated this one. Oh, what's it it's at? It's 8.41. You should be able to rate it. Yeah, I why not? So. Yeah. Um, so then uh, we kind of mentioned the the Randy match the, the following year, and then Bray kind of disappears. As we mentioned, he sort of was having battles with depression over the loss of his friend, Brody Lee. And then his shocking release is announced by WWE during, like, major cuts when they were getting, yeah. off, you know, actual big... People featured on TV, Braun Strowman, Nia Jax. Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt was... uh, So it was released. There was then, like, huge speculation of, what's he going to do? Is he going to do... I think he was seen in in Hollywood trying to do some auditions and things. AEW is always a a conversation and things like that. Yeah, what if there? Wyndham Six. But then they started bringing... uh, They were going to bring him back to WWE. And they kind of took what he did with the Firefly Funhouse, as in like dropping little Easter eggs and things. Yeah. And did this whole viral campaign where it started with White Rabbit being played in at live shows during like commercial breaks or, yeah, or like yeah. intervals and stuff like that. Follow the White Rabbit. And then we had barcodes appearing on TV where like sleuths online were like finding out like linking it, what linking they it meant. to dates and, and different venues and things like that. It was really cool. And there was a SmackDown, I believe, that everyone thought was going to be Bray's like return because dates in one of the White Rabbit yeah. things, and that SmackDown got a huge spike of viewership. And then he made his big return at Extreme Rules in a awesome redebut. I think. Oh wow, what a moment this was! Yeah, talking about epic entrances, like this one's even crazier. It's like it's got all the the puppets, but live people playing mm-hmm. them all scattered through the arena as the camera kind of finds them. And then it's got the music playing, and then it's got the camera panning like a, a haunted house. I'm like, well, wait, it's they're going through the puppets, and yeah. then there's the burnt fiend mask on the desk that just appears. And Michael Cole's like, holy, where did that come from? <laughs> but then this crowd, when the fiend is stood in the audience, go crazy. Yeah, like the pop is so loud. Yeah, and then it cuts to that's not him, and then he's here as he walks through the like twilight zone door you have the deserted firefly fun house yeah. which which you kind of think it's just been abandoned since he got fired right like, all that time yeah this epic this entrance is so epic it's it's so awesome and he comes back and the place goes absolutely mental and it showed that like it showed right then and there yeah he's had some ups and downs in in this whole wwe world but merch sales crowd reactions people tune in to see this guy he had an audience and people like spooky shit and especially when it mixes with your wrestling but this return was so epic he just stood there and went hey I, like I'm, he didn't say anything he took off the mask he took off his uncle howdy mask we have one of these now yeah, yeah. rest in peace uh, uncle howdy as well but um but again you you think what like this felt to me like this was going to be his american badass like he cut the right. promo on the next episode of raw or smackdown i think it was and he was kind of talking as himself as a person and yeah. how much it means being back. And is like, here is a baby face. It then, it went on way too long before he had his his only televised match against um, LA Knight. Wow. But 
I would have been interested in seeing this human version of Bray Wyatt because we mentioned right at the beginning that's when Undertaker's wrestling picked up when yeah, you dropped yeah. the zombie and you had him as as that and if you had like a Bray as a human and then can sometimes tap into his fiend or whatever could have been cool yeah where it was it turned into Uncle Howdy his creepy uncle who's chasing him around you got Alexa Bliss and Black Goo and like just I don't know just a bunch of stuff that definitely doesn't sit well mm. for a lot of fans but there, there was like a moment where it's like, hey, what if he, they take this and go c- completely forward? It felt like a lot of people were behind him. And yeah, I don't know. And then what? We got the Mountain Dew pitch black pitch match. Black match. Which is that technically his last match? His last televised match. Wow. He then was doing the house show run. I, I looked up on Cage Match. I think I saw his third last match in Montreal. Okay. But they were all against LA Knight in like dark he was, matches. Yeah, that, that next week he was supposed to have a match, a dark lights out match at the house show I went to and the day of they said it was pulled but uh, and you've got to imagine that was when he contracted COVID right yeah I remember hearing he got taken out from injury and you're just going he's just working matches where he's beating up LA Knight and yeah. putting him through tables and LA Knight gets nothing in like right. how did he get injured yeah bizarre you but... had the build it was going to be him and Lashley at Wrestlemania okay. and then obviously that got just cut short um and then the really shocking news that he heart complications following COVID. Yeah, very, very sad. Very, very shocking. 36 years of age, which is just not the right age for someone to pass away. And I know obviously there's talks about it, it was heart complications and this and that. And it's just, again, as a wrestling fan, it's always heartbreaking mm-hmm. when these characters, these real people, you know, pass away that you're used to seeing all the time and it stings even more so when this guy is, was actively wrestling this guy was actively on tv and doing things for the past 10 years so you know as much as it was sad a day or two before when terry funk passes away he's in his 70s he's had his his day in the sun where this guy is 36 this guy has a young family four kids just very very heartbreaking and yeah uh i'm sure we're still for years going to be remembering this guy through all the, the stuff he's done. And the, you know, the, the tribute they did on SmackDown was just beautiful. The, yeah. the tribute I've seen in other places with a rocking chair pop up and stuff. It's just, he's, he has his all moment. All in with the lantern. Yeah. The all in the house. Yeah, man. It was, there's a lot uh, that I'm sure, you know, friends and family are still hurting from this. And I, I only as a fan, I can just try to understand it. It's, 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 it's heartbreaking and it's sad. So, this is how we wanted to pay some tribute to him and kind of go through all the best of stuff that he's offered us and entertained us over the years. We've let him into our, our homes over the years. And uh, I just wanted to, to, to give my, my, my piece to Wyndham Rotunda, Bray Wyatt. And I think we did a pretty good job looking through all the best stuff today. I think we did a great job. Um, shall we go to feedback first or shall we say what we think is the best? Let's read some feedback here. I put up a a poll, not a poll, a a post on the Facebook group. Join the Poison Rana Facebook group if you haven't already. Dylan Grayson writes in, goes without being said, but the Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania 36 and the Wyatts versus Shield matches are the best that Bray Wyatt did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he agrees with some of the picks we had here today. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, Emil says his Miss Teacher Lady gives me chills every time. Yeah, it was a promo, one of his promos. Right. Hey, Miss Teacher Lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to watch. I remember that one. Is it? Is he feuding with Cena? He's being he's being scary and right. spooky. I'm trying to remember because half the time Bray Wyatt would wear like the sister thing on his face. It's that image that versus the pumpkin right, king. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you, Emil. Uh, Charles writes in Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns, Hell in a Cell 2015. One of my favorite underrated matches. There's a, there is a yeah. point I remember in that match where I think Bray sticks a kendo stick yeah. in the cell and just like runs Roman like eye first into right, it. Right, right. And th- those were two that I wouldn't say the most exciting matches, but they always went really hard against each other. And you saw that in their like Shield Wyatt matches yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we go to. To Nas, hey, Nas, who says, more than any match, this is my favorite Bray Wyatt video. Watched it multiple times. Still find it incredible how creative this uh, man was. And he's tagged uh, every Firefly Funhouse uh, episode uh, all together on YouTube. Yes. He says, also more than anything he did on screen, he seemed to be genuinely one of the nicest guys in pro wrestling. One incident that stands out to me is when Bray was trending on Twitter during all the QR code hype and Bray used the heightened attention on him to tweet out the GoFundMe for Sarah Lee, who had sadly passed away at age 30. That plus all the nice things everyone said about him. The man had no enemies. There will never be another one. Rest in peace, Bray. Very well said there. Very nice. Thank you, Nas. And do check out the Firefly uh, Funhouses. We go to Chris Elliott. He says, whilst the two pay-per-view matches with Brian will get the most praise of, of their series of matches, I absolutely love the Raw cage match, seeing Brian finally turn on the family. The crowd were electric with yes chants, and the pop when Brian took off the Wyatt overalls was huge. It showed not only the investment the audience had in Brian, but almost how much the Wyatt family meant, and that in the large part was down to how good Bray was as a character. The one time I got to see him was at a Raw taping in Manchester in November 2015 when they did the Brothers of Destruction eulogy angle ending in Taker and Kane coming back. But Bray was fantastic on the mic that night. I was at that show as well. Were you there too? Nice. Yeah, Chris, what could have been? In full-on cult leader mode, and he's also linked it. Yes, that's when they had the the great, like, finally Undertaker and Kane and the Wyatts, like, meeting kind of firsthand. Obviously, I think back to... The, the most recent when Undertaker seems eerie now, pretty much saying bye when he, yeah. they, they had the moment on it was rock. like a passing of the torch. Yeah. And he whispers something yeah. in his ear. Very, very strange. Chris continues. I think it became quite clear that WWE higher ups, or maybe just one in particular, didn't quite understand what he was wanting from the character as there was a definite, Def- definite dis- disconnect between the character and the booking, which was a shame because you could see the reactions he was getting online and in the arenas. He clearly meant something to a big chunk of the WWE audience. Rest in peace, Bray. And then we also have a feedback thread on our Patreon uh, where one of our patrons, Jesse from The Six, has written in saying, Bray Wyatt will be remembered principally for his character work and his in- innovative approach to wrestling storytelling. However, as this list of matches shows, the guy could go in the ring, especially for a big man, and Bray was deceptively big. Sure, it's not hard for a pro wrestler to have a good match with Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, but even so, I think Brian, Bray carried his weight in all these matches. In this respect, he's actually existent similar to John Huber. What I appreciate about Bray's work was that he was rarely boring. When he hit on something great, it was really great. And when he missed, he missed spectacularly. (laughs) His feuds with Randy Orton and Seth Rollins as The Fiend were awful, but they gave us something to remember and laugh about. Almost everything Bray did was attention-grabbing in some way, and for that we can all be thankful. Be great if you can, be bad if you must, but never be boring. Take care. Very well said, Jesse. Yes. Uh, Very also sad that, you know, John Huber, Brody Lee passing away, and now Bray Wyatt. Yeah. This is very, very eerie. So, uh, crazy. Yeah. 
Horrible. Uh, thank you for writing in, everybody. Uh, Chris Price says, rest in peace, Bray Wyatt. And thank you, gents, for a great look back at some of these matches in the YouTube chat. Thank you, Chris. But I think we should pick our favorite Bray Wyatt match. I mean, moments aside, I mean, the Firefly Funhouse, we're not even considering it a match. But it's it's easily up there as the best moment because there's a full WrestleMania match moment with John Cena. It's crazy. But from watching wrestling today, I was pretty blown away by all the matches you you made this list. I mean, I instantly went into this blind being like, it's got to be the Shield Elimination Chamber match. And as much as that match bangs, after watching all these today, I think my favorite was the Strat match at the Royal Rumble 2020? 2020. 2020, yeah, where the Fiend... The monster had to face the dragon, and these two beat the ever-living shit out of each other. And you know this meant a lot to Daniel Bryan uh, years later, like I said, mentioning this while having another strap match. And I don't know. I thought this was just the best version of him. Just scary looking, but wrestling and jacked and I don't know. Everything about it I loved. So I loved all the matches today, to be honest. I completely agree. I remembered liking this match as it happened, but going into it, I didn't think it would be my yeah. my pick. But I think it just... It's one of his best in-ring performances, like wrestling matches with Brian. But also just you've got the character and all that involved as well. So I think everything that kind of sums up Bray Wyatt, you can watch with this match, I think. Yeah. And and on top of that, it's just a really good strap match. So you pick it too. I go for that too. Whoa, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all the things we mentioned today were awesome. And there were, what, some honorable mentions? Yeah, so there there were a few, like, during that 2017 SmackDown era, a uh, couple that kept on popping up on lists, like AJ Styles versus John Cena versus Bray Wyatt mm-hmm. from SmackDown, the 14th of February 2017. Uh, Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe versus Seth Rollins from Extreme Rules, 4th of June 2016. Uh, we had mentioned the Hell in a Cell against, uh, Roman. against Roman as well. Uh, so some other stuff, uh, if you want to do uh, additional viewing, uh, yeah. check out there. Yeah, or if you want to check out some Husky Harris or Axel Mulligan matches. Those oh, are his, his uh, former gimmick names. All but right. yeah, uh, there we go. We honored the late, great Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda. We hope we did a bang-up job. We hope we did an okay job. We thank you for listening if you made it this far. Thank you, everyone, who joined us in the YouTube room as well. Hit that subscribe. We do... Best match ever all the time. We do retro movie reviews, retro NXT reviews, wrestling reviews, everything. And we have a Patreon. We're small content creators and we do everything ourselves. And you want to support and check out all the other podcasts, patreon.com slash poisonrana or poisonrana.ca for the links of everything we do. It's only five bucks to become a member and you get access to a whole month's worth of Everything we've done, including like almost 600 different podcasts and reviews and fun podcasts just like this. And hey, while you're at it, go buy a Bray Wyatt shirt. Go get a Bray Wyatt tattoo like all the other wrestlers. I think that's just been awesome. That they Uncle do. Howdy mask. Uncle Howdy mask. I, fiend mask. This fiend week, belt. Fiend I'm, fanny pack. When we went to SummerSlam, someone had the Fiend belt. And I have a photo with it, which is just also eerie because that mm. was weeks before. But like uh, I need the, the Fiend mask now. It's just iconic. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Bray Wyatt, for everything you've done. The color red in a world of black and white. At Pod on Twitter, Instagram, for everything else that we do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. All right. Well, take care. Goodbye. Be safe. And run. Ahoy!